Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody. It is a fine, well, cloudy Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley. I will always take this weather for January. I'm Glenn Mack, now joined by my pal Mike Sealski for three hours of radio magic on a weekend where the Eagles get to kick back and watch it all. Kind of like me, Glenn. I get to kick back and watch it all oh, this yeah. weekend, too. That Looking is, forward to it. That is what we're going to do. Two things to start the show. One is, as we just said, the Eagles uh, and this weekend's football, particularly the the grudge, the hate match. <laughs> Saturday night, which is good. I called it measles mumps. You say it is? Oh, you, Monday night, you mean. You're talking Monday about, night. What did yeah. I say? Uh, you said Saturday. I'm sorry. Monday night. Yeah. Wait uh, for that one. Yes. Iran, Iraq. Yes. Cowboys versus the Bucks. Anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. Eagles get the week off. Mike, they earned it. Who would have dreamt of 13 and 4 back in September? I wouldn't have dreamt of 14 or th- 14 3, and three either. Oh, man, <laughs> you know what? It's good. It's all good. I got to stop taking that ambient. Okay. Who dreamed that we'd be talking about Jalen Hurts for MVP or Nick as coach of the year or Howie as executive of the year? Again, we'll get to the details of that later. So we watch tonight, tomorrow, Monday, uh, and we learn who they play. The longest of the long shots is the gameplay today. If Seattle can upset the 49ers, nine and a half point underdogs, they will come across the country to play the Eagles next week. Uh, chance of that happening on a scale of 1 to 100? Two. Okay. That's about right. Yeah. I, I don't see that at all. No, I don't either. More likely than that is a game that is going to be played between the Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. I thought, you know, the Giants could win, and then I realized that's the chic pick. Everybody says the Giants can win. Can the Giants win? The Giants can win. I'm not sure that the Giants will win. I think that's a coin flip game, but I think you're onto something there, Glenn. It's become the thing to say that, well, the Giants are probably going to beat the Vikings. I know. Uh, and there's reason to say that. The Vikings yeah. have won a whole bunch of games this season by the skin of their teeth or you know, opponents like the Indianapolis Colts completely melted down. Negative point differential on yeah. the season for a team that they are 13-4, and four, right? Yes, yes. Holy cow. That's, that's pretty remarkable. But maybe there's something intangible to be said about their character and all of that kind of stuff. That, to me, is the most interesting game of the weekend, in a way, because I think the, the outcome is the least predictable. And we root for the Giants. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah, better, right. better matchup for the Eagles. Giants. Always good to have Eagles-Giants in the playoffs. All right, so... I will tell you, Mike, in talking to people this week, getting around town, 
There's a bit of fear in the Delaware Valley. There's some trepidation. There's a wariness that even as the Eagles landed that coveted one seed, that first round by home field throughout, which is huge, that the team may have peaked in November and could be headed for a crushing crash landing. Mike, how you feel? I feel more optimistic than that. Uh, I don't... I... I, I completely perceive the uh, fear and apprehension that you're talking about. Totally pick up on that. But I don't share it. Uh, I think they are, as you laid out a minute ago, they're in the best possible position they can be in in this playoff setup. They have home field advantage. They're the best team in the conference. They were the best team in the conference for virtually the entire season. And the the dynamic, Glenn, that's interesting to me about this is that I didn't sense this same apprehension back in 2018 mm. when they made their Super Bowl run. Yeah. Uh, and you and I before the show. Were and, ke- and we're the one seed. Yeah, and we're the one seed, and we're, the, we're an underdog against the Falcons in that first uh, playoff game, the divisional round game. And you and I were kicking around before the show why that is. And I think it's kind of um, counterintuitive. It's, it's the fact that Jalen Hurts is playing, that Lane Johnson is coming back. There's something about that that makes Eagles fans a little uncomfortable because everything is kind of lined up. When your backup quarterback has to take you there, like in 2018, that's a more comfortable way for a fan around here to look at it. Like, hey, we got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose is what I was going to say. Right. Yeah, yeah nothing to lose. Yeah. And, the, and you know what? The whole underdog thing with the masks, which I believe was Chris Long and Lane Johnson who started that, right? It was. yes. That whole thing kind of started a fan togetherness, belief, and so on, which is the nobody likes us, nobody believes in us, we don't care. And teams have played the nobody believes in us, they're all against us forever, mm-hmm. often ridiculously. You know, Georgia played that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of laughable. Were, what is that, 63 to 7? It was, it? It, it they was played the nobody believed in us. 4,000 to 7, yeah. Nope, nobody believed in us. Um, but the Eagles were able to play it then, and the fan base was. And I think people went into that with like, eh, nothing to lose. Hey, if we win, it's great. This time the expectations are, you're the best team. Mm-hmm. For a long time, people regarded the Eagles as the best team in the league. Now it's probably Kansas City or Buffalo. But best team in the NFC, best record, bye week, home, all that, expectations. Makes people a little nervous. It does. I think that's part of the reason that people wrap their arms around the 2022 Phillies during that playoff run as much as they did. It wasn't that just that the Phillies got to the World Series. It's that they were the last wild card team. They were good enough to make that kind of run, but nobody really expected them to make that kind of run. So, as you said, there's nothing to lose. We can throw our hearts to them, and if they get beaten by the Braves in the divisional round, okay, well, we made it for the first time in 11 years. So we are going to have on the show later today two great guests, okay? We're going to have your colleague, Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who mm-hmm. is a terrific reporter covering the beat the way beats ought to be covered. Looking forward to talking to him. And we're going to have my pal and yours, Ray Dinger. And I heard Ray, I want to make sure I heard Ray correctly, because I believe I heard Ray Dinger say, if they don't win the Super Bowl, this season is not a success. It's a failure. Um, And we can get into that with him. I don't Mm -hmm. want to get into that too deep with you right now. But the whole point is, now the expectation is you got to win the whole thing or... Yeah, and that and that I think has got people nervous. I, I think it has. I think this is the kind of 
position that Philadelphia sports fans, on the one hand, they relish the ride. That's what they. That's what most fans, I think, want from a team is mm. the ride, the week to week, night to night feeling that your team is winning and it's great and it's bringing everybody together. And yes, we might win a championship. And then you get to the moment at hand, and it's like. Oh my gosh, what's going to go wrong? Is Chris Carpenter going to throw a shutout? Is Rondé Barber going to you know, intercept the pass and return it for a touchdown? What's, what are you doing? What's going to go wrong? I can keep going, These Glenn. There have been so have many. I, yes, I know. I've written several books on that stuff, and it keeps me up at night at various sorry, times. That's okay. I, we've, all, we've all lived through all that. Yes. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, your level of confidence right now. Six point five seven. Okay. Yeah, I think they're going to go to. The, I mean, I, I think that's oh, pretty. Six point five dash seven or six point fifty seven. Now I have to do math. Where's my eleven year old son who's taking algebra? Nobody told me there was um, math. No, I'm fairly confident. All right, six point five to seven. Yeah. You know what? I'm about the same. I was going to say a seven. I'm feeling mm-hmm. pretty good. And part of the reason I'm feeling pretty good is. Yesterday, Lane Johnson back at practice, mm-hmm. saying he's going to play, working with the team a little bit. Um, we all know the numbers. They are 10-22 and 22 in their history without Lane Johnson. That even includes the win over the Giants. He has, and we got, we'll talk to our Cooper doctor later, mm-hmm. but he says his recovery has been pretty good, yeah. that he's going to be able to play. It is not so bad. He did release a video of him hoisting the WWE belt. When Lane Johnson's getting cocky, I'm feeling good. You know, I, I have this picture of uh, Lane on the sidelines during the divisional round game next week. If you remember the opening of uh, Dances with Wolves where Kevin Costner's trying to get the boot on his foot and he's got the gangrene and yeah. he's biting. Oh, gosh, yeah. He's biting the piece of wood. <laughs> yes. I kind of see Lane looking Putting that on his way. uniform yeah, next week. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Uh, but he will be out there. I mean, that, that guy, the one thing you can say about Lane Johnson, apart from him being just a terrific player is that he will do everything he can to get out there and he is honest about how he feels and what he's going through, whether you're talking about mental health issues or or the physical things that he's dealt with, concussions, love other him. injuries. Love him, love him, love him, love him, love um, him. And, uh, by the way, made the All-Pro team yesterday, first-string All-Pro. Well-deserved. Oh, absolutely well-deserved, along with Kelsey was a first-stringer, and I feel like I'm leaving out one other. Was Darius Slay first-stringer? No, Darius Slay was neither first or second-stringer. James Bradbury right. was, which, That's by right. the way, James Bradbury made a good bet on himself this year. Sure did. One-year contract with the Eagles, becomes a free agent, come off this year. He's going to do really well. Yeah, not necessarily here. But, no, you know he'll do all right for himself. Yeah, and by then Jalen hurts the second string All Pro to Mahomes, as you would expect. And yeah, absolutely. Pretty good to be a second string All Pro at this point. Speaking of which, Jalen hurts is the other thing we really have to think about this game. It has been discussed ad nauseum, and yet it is the big thing to me. I mentioned Lane Johnson. The other thing. Will Jalen Hurts be able to play his game fully and without restriction, without a governor? And I don't mean Josh Shapiro. I mean, <laughs> I mean by that. The attachment to your car's engine that automatically limits speed. Yeah. Now, we know he heals faster than Mike Sealski. Well, he does a lot of things faster than Mike Sealski, as Nick Sirianni has established, yes. <laughs> I love the way you became part of that story by you, asking You know what question. happened in, the next day? No. Jalen challenged you to a race? No, the next day. I, w- I wasn't there the next day, and uh, the Eagles went out to practice, and Hertz was there throwing the ball around and doing the calisthenics. And Nick went around to the writers and said, where's Mike? See, there's Jalen. Where is he? So, okay. you know. Good work by you. Yeah. That's the that, lesson. 
Take, take this badge. It's out. all in good fun. So he threw yesterday. He did not throw the day before. He didn't throw for nine days. He said he didn't throw for two weeks before that Giants game. I really don't know how to read it. And I heard Howard say, remain calm all as well. And maybe that's true. I'm certainly not going to panic about it. Um, we watched him against the Giants and what he did do and didn't do. What's yeah. your thoughts on where he is and expectations? So I have two thoughts. The first is one that you and I have talked about before on the show, which is that I do think there is an element uh, with Hertz in which he wants to present himself as a different kind of quarterback, like a step above his peers, a different breed, so that he likes, to a certain extent, the idea that he's playing through pain. Uh, I think he likes having that out there. I don't think... He's going to be somebody who is going to de-emphasize the injury. I think he's going to tell you, "I'm playing through pain and it hurts." Yeah, they're all let, they're all letting you know, and that. they're le- everybody's letting us know that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm less worried, and I think the Eagles and Hurts are less worried about him throwing the ball than they are about him, as you said, carrying it, running with yeah. it, taking a hit on that shoulder, landing on the Lincoln Financial Field ground and turf. Uh, that to me is the bigger danger. I know there was a lot of discussion on the station this week about having Hurts, the coaches having Hurts throw nine passes in the first nine plays. I don't think that's as much an issue with respect to Hurts' health. You can have issues with respect to is that the best way the Eagles ought to be running their offense in general. But in terms of like Hurts is injured, he shouldn't be throwing the ball. I don't think that's an issue. I think the bigger issue is is he carrying the ball and is he taking hits? Yeah. I I agree. I think he's going to – because there was like, why did he come out the last game and throw nine passes? Because he can throw. Right. I don't think that's I don't think that's the problem. Yeah. To I, me, the, not to interrupt, sorry. No, I think right. the push, when push comes to shove, if they're in a close game, I think the question becomes, okay, do they have Hurts carry the ball? You know, we need – it's third and five. Do we run a read option and could he possibly keep it? And clearly that will depend on score and circumstance. But if they are in a close game and they got to win this game – there, he'll do it. Oh, he's absolutely. Not, he's not going to shy away from it, and they will do it because you and I have talked about this before. Protecting Jalen Hurts' health and future is a good priority, but you know what's a bigger priority? Winning the Super Bowl this year. Yep. And if they have the opportunity to do it and their quarterback gets injured in the process, they will still do it. This is the NFL. This is about winning the games. It is not about prolonging players' careers. I hate to sound that flippant about a guy's future, but that is the way it works. That's it. The idea that the Eagles have an open window for several years because Jalen Hurts is 24 is the wrong way to think about it. They are going for it right now, Yeah, and I agree with you completely. <laughs> because I don't think James Bradbury is going to be back next nope. year. And, and maybe a few gonna, other guys. And he ain't going to be the only one who ain't right. back next yeah, year. they got to do it. Uh, the only other injury I want to talk about, by the way, 215-592-9494. We'd love to talk to you about it today. The Avante Maddox injury, and he is not coming back anytime no. soon, and I would not anticipate he would be coming back even if they get to the Super Bowl. And that's the one they've missed maybe more than we all realize. That slot corner, he does it so well. The way they play defense, they only rush four um, the guys in the secondary have to be in the right place, and it's the backups haven't been haven't been able to do it. It's why the other team is completing thirteen passes in a row. And, and you know people can rant and rave about the defense Gannon plays, but he's almost doing it so as not to expose those guys filling in to disaster. Yeah, and that's that's the one I'm a little nervous about. Yeah, I am too. And the fear I would have 
heading into the divisional round and perhaps the NFC Championship game is that you're going to face at least once a quarterback smart enough to exploit that. You know, Dak Prescott, for instance, has had not a particularly great season, leads the NFL in interceptions and interception percentage, but he is the guy who took advantage of the fact that Maddox got hurt on Christmas Eve and completes whatever it was, 24 out of 24 against a zone defense where the Eagles defensive backs don't really know where to go mm-hmm. because Maddox isn't there. Uh, that would concern me uh, throughout this playoff run is are they going to encounter the kind of quarterback, and Prescott is that kind of guy, Brady in theory would be that kind of guy who can take advantage of the fact that Maddox isn't out there. Well, here's how it works then, in the end. In the end, by the way, I feel pretty good, okay? They got two weeks. Everybody's got two weeks to heal. I don't think Maddox is going to be back. Nick is a creative coach. I mm-hmm. think he's going to find new wrinkles. Uh, I think any team that has to pass through here, what this crowd can do, I'm hearing how phenomenal Brock Purdy is. Oh, my God, <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. The greatest yes. thing. Uh, I want to see Brock Purdy play in a pressure pack game in front of 68,000 Eagle fans. That's going to be a little different than what he's done. Yeah, look, if the 49ers make a, end up making a run and making the Super Bowl, however they get there, it's not going to be because of Brock Purdy. It's just not. Right, but he's going to have to do things if he comes yeah. here, and I think it's going to be tough. I think that, uh, and we'll, we'll discuss the other teams more, but I like it all. And I'll and I'll close with this. People said all year, ah, who have the Eagles beat? Who's any good that the Eagles beat, right? Uh, and per Denny Selzman, who's a great follow on Twitter, I don't know if you follow him. I do he's, not. He's, like, he's great with charts and graphics and so on, and he put – uh, the record, D-E-N-I-Z-S-E-L-M-A-N. I'm not sure if that's his full Twitter handle, mm-hmm. but he's really a good follow when it comes to this. This is the record versus teams with winning records in the NFL. That they, okay, Eagles mm-hmm. are 7-1 and one against teams with winning records. That's pretty darn good. The best in the league. There you go. Da- uh, San Francisco was 4-1. and one. Okay. Dallas was 6-2. and two. Minnesota, 4-3. and three. Kansas City, 5-2. and two. Buffalo, 5-2. and two. Cincinnati, 4-3. and three. So who's got the best record in the league against winning teams? The Eagles. I feel good about that. Yeah, and they were in one of the stronger, if not the strongest, division in the NFL this season. Right. Uh, And look, we started talking about apprehension. That's where we began the show. And this is the NFL playoffs. There's that's part of the deal. You know, most playoff games don't end forty-five to ten. So people are going to have to get accustomed to the fact that uh, these are going to be close games. I just looked at the numbers from last year's playoffs, Glenn. The six. Divisional round games, okay, the the round that the Eagles aren't playing in this yeah. year, only two of them were one-score games. Four of them were at least yeah, well, two you, scores. Yeah. Okay? You're going to have some of that this week. Exactly. Every game after that, the four divisional round games, the two conference championship games, and the Super Bowl were all one-score right. games. Yeah. This is a grind. It comes with the territory. I think that's nicely said. All right, one other thing that we need to throw in here at the top, and again, we'll take your calls. Mitchell Wilmington, you'll be up first. Just hang in a minute. You and I had a stupid bet that we made at the start of the year, and the stupid bet basically centered on the Eagles' return game. You bet that it wouldn't be that good. Mm -hmm. I bet on faith that it would be perfectly fine. You, for a long time, had the edge. You're up 6-1. to I was. At one point, Uh, and yet, then it tied at 6-6, and then you, uh, you got one. Two weeks ago, when the Eagles could not return a kickoff to their 20. Against the Saints, yes. Put you up 7-6. to six. Mike Sealski's looking at the dinner menu at Ralph's, starting to plan things out. And then I brought in Mitch Williams in the bottom of the ninth. And here we go. It was three minutes into the second quarter against the Giants. Jamie Gillen, back to punt. The punt 
is almost blocked. It's a wobbler. Covey looks up. Covey takes it. Makes the first man miss. He is running hard across the left sideline. 40, 45, 50 in the Giants territory. Britton Covey. Now there's a penalty flag all the way back near the line of scrimmage. Let's see about this. Let's see. It was a 46-yard punt and a 17-yard return. Holding number 21 of the kicking team. That 10-yard penalty will be added to the end of the Will be added to the play. It was against the Giants. And there you go. Uh, you know, what's funny is I saw the punt return. Um, well, I wouldn't have got it otherwise. But I, yeah. I, And when I saw the penalty, I thought, oh, please, please, please. And yeah. I got it. We are tied at 7-7. Seven to seven. We are. The season's over. What no, are we going to do? Not. No, it's not. Kyle Quinn's already got dinner. He's he's in, right? <laughs> we are going to keep going. Uh, this is not going to be sudden death. It's not whoever, you know, the, the Eagles okay. uh, return a punt well, you win, or they don't return a kickoff well, I win. We are going to play this. Take it as, through. Yeah, take it through the Super Bowl if we have to. Sounds good to me. All right, a couple things we want to plug, a couple events. you got something coming up uh, at the Free Library. I do. Thursday afternoon, January 19th, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, I'm going to be at the Philadelphia Free Library hosting a Q&A with someone you all may have heard of, Stephen A. Smith. That's great. Whose new memoir is coming out. So I'm going to talk to Stephen about that. It gets into his upbringing and his time at ESPN, a little bit in his time with the Inquirer in Philly. Yeah, nice. Um, and I and pro- you won't have to do much talking. I promise you it will not be specious, egregious, or ridiculous. <laughs> I love Stephen, actually. Um, Stephen's a very nice guy. He yeah, is. Good for you. All right, so you have that. That's what, Thursday? Thursday at 1 o'clock. Well, Thursday library. evening from 6.30 to 9, I am hosting a release party for, get this right, Mike and Merrill. Philly special hazy IPA at Conchac and Brewing. We made the Merrill and Mike, which is a real high octane one. We're coming out with the Mike and Merrill hazy, which is a six point five more crushable tailgate beer. That's, that's right in my wheelhouse. Party's going to be at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap by Conchac and Brewing in Bridgeport. The Eagles pep band is going to play. Nice. Ray Dinger's going to come sign and sell books. I am going to host a Quizzo-like trivia contest. Is Ray allowed to participate in that contest? Oh, somebody ought to get Ray on their team. They would do. They would do really well. <laughs> Uh, great prizes, lots of beer. Come out and celebrate a great season Thursday night from 639 at uh, uh, Publish Kitchen and Tap. All right. We'll, talk, we'll mention those more before we get off, but we want to talk to you. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, Saturday on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let's talk to John and Manny. I'll see what's on his mind this morning. Hello, John. What's up, Glenn? How you doing? Doing great. Hi, John. Good. How you doing, Mike? Excellent. Um, I have a quick question for you. It's like uh, it's kind of out of the box here, but do you think that the way NFL teams win the Super Bowls nowadays, do you think that um, if you just have a quarterback you draft and, and you keep, like the Eagles right now, they got a great team, they got these other guys that can pay, but do you think that would it be worth of like uh, getting in uh, as much as I like Jalen Hurts? Do you think it would be like drafting a new quarterback that can fit into their system? 
and down the road. John, yeah. you are touching on something that I've written about over the last year or two, and I think I to, read that, yeah. to me is the defining question about how to build a team that competes for a Super Bowl each year, which is there is so much advantage to the situation that the Eagles have now, where you have a young quarterback on his rookie contract playing very well, that I wonder if there is going to be a team or teams that says, you know what, it was great what, I don't know, Jalen Hurts or in Baltimore Lamar Jackson did for us, and we took our shot with him or we won a championship with him, but guess what, we're not going to pay him because once we sign him to a long-term, really expensive contract, it's harder to build a team around him that can compete for and win a Super Bowl. So we're just going to let him walk and we're going to draft somebody else. I think you raise a really, really interesting question. Thanks. Yeah, do you think, could they uh, franchise, franchise tag him for another year or something like that? Could they do that? Yeah, they can. They and, can, yeah. You, you want to avoid it. because. And thanks, great call, because it often creates ill feelings. Yes. But I think the league's going to have to figure out eventually how to do this. The Eagles are in that great situation now. We said it. They've got a really good team with a that they can afford because the quarterback's on his first contract. Mm-hmm. It's going to change. He's going to sign a deal, 35, 40, 45 million, whatever crazy number it's going to be, which as much of a cap genius Howie Rosen may be, he's not going to be able to find his way out of that. We've seen it with other teams. It's bad for the league. I don't know that there should be a separate quarterback cap or something. I, I don't but know. you have to find a way that if a team has a star quarterback, it doesn't have to strip off other guys. Yeah, and the other factor, which we haven't mentioned here, Glenn, is that part of the reason that teams want to give these quarterbacks these long-term contracts is that the quarterbacks are the faces of the NFL. You want your quarterback, I don't know, 20 years ago to be doing chunky soup ads. You want Aaron <laughs> Rodgers on State Farm. You want Tom Brady selling stuff. That's yeah. part of the calculus that these owners go through when they decide whether to sign these quarterbacks or not. So it's not just an on-field decision. It's more than that. It's marketing and it's money. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. All right, let us take a little bit of a deeper look into some of the other games this weekend. 215-592-9494. All right, today, uh, what time is kickoff? 4.30 kickoff, Levi's Stadium. The Seahawks go in to play the Niners. We agreed, not much drama there. You talked about all the games, first-round games that were blowouts this week, last year, excuse me. Uh, I think you're going to get that kind of 30-10 to 10 game here. I agree. Uh, I am happy for Geno Smith, the Seahawks quarterback. I covered him for a hot minute when the Jets drafted him, and it was a tough situation. He was kind of an immature kid at the time, but clearly he's grown up, uh, resurrected his career. Great story. Doesn't mean that they're going to beat the 49ers today. No. The 49ers are really good. No, one and out. Okay. Uh, the other game today, which starts at 8-15, in Jacksonville, the Chargers go in to play the Jaguars. Jaguars got a home advantage there. Hello. Yes. Um, it's a game that doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of who's going to get to the Super Bowl, but hey, Doug Peterson, baby. Dougie P turning around a franchise that, quite honestly, might be one of the might have been one of the two or three biggest laughing stocks. In the NFL. First pick in the draft last two years. I think they won four games collectively in two years. Yeah, and all this, you know, their owner can't wait to have his team's home games in London every year. (laughs) You know, they're in a market where college football really is king. 
kind of at the nexus of Florida and Georgia and Florida State and all of that stuff. But the fact that Doug has done what he's done, and more importantly for that franchise in the long term, the fact that he has turned Trevor Lawrence into an elite quarterback will keep them relevant and presumably competitive for a long time. That kid is really good. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert, two That's, two really good uh, young quarterbacks in the league. We talked about young quarterbacks. That's two of them. Looking forward to that. Do you know the Jags would be the first team in NFL history to win a playoff game the season after finishing with the, the league's worst record. That's remarkable. Right? For all the talk about how in the NFL you can turn things around in one season and go from worst to first, that stuns me to, to hear that. It really yeah. does. Um, anyway, we all love Doug Peterson, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's there. this town will always have a spot for Doug Peterson. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you think about uh, a coach or player's time here. Mm-hmm. And you think about, I, I do anyway, I think about little moments. And to me, the consummate Doug Peterson moment during his career here is that moment in the Super Bowl where Nick Foles comes to the sideline and mm-hmm. says, you want to run Philly Philly. And if you watch the video of that moment, it has not occurred to Doug to run that play in that moment. And Nick says it, and on fourth and goal against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, Doug says, yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Like, that act of spontaneity changed Philadelphia sports history. I think that's a great point. Big balls, Doug, and and and, and he trusted Foles. He yep. trusted his backup quarterback to do it. By the way, do you know the cameraman who shot that view that you see all the time? I believe that the cameraman's name is one David Dittinger. That is true. And actually, the sound man is the brother of my brother-in-law. Wow. Yeah. That's anyway. a lot of connections. Yeah, there. there's a lot of connections there. All right, tomorrow... Um. One o'clock, the Marv McNow game. Ah, here He's we coming go. to my house. Dad's awesome. coming over. Great. Dolphins against the Bills. No Tua. Um, you saw all the emotion in Buffalo last week when mm-hmm. they returned. Two kickoffs for touchdowns. The opening kickoff. I think that's going to be another like 30 to 10 game. Yeah. I don't see how the Dolphins hang in there. I, I don't either. Uh, I really don't. Buffalo uh, is so united around this team right now, and that team is really good. It would not surprise me if Buffalo represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, That is probably, I would think, probably leading to be the most one-sided game of the weekend, I think. Okay, and then the game tomorrow evening is the Giants at Minnesota. Am I deluding myself by thinking the Giants can win that? I just don't have any... Belief in Minnesota. I've watched Minnesota. I saw the Eagles beat them. I saw the Cowboys crush them. Mm-hmm. Um, I see them beating bad teams. I think the Giants are pretty good. I mean, forget what we saw last week. They didn't I, do anything. I think Giants are a pretty good team. I think the Giants aren't quite as good as people are making them out to be relative to this game, if that makes sense. Like, remember the first time the Eagles played the Giants this year? Yeah, 48 to the, 22. The Giants did not like look that. like a good team that no, day at no, all. No, um, Now, things have changed, obviously, since then. But, you know, I think that's a game that comes down to a field goal. Uh, it's, it's, do you trust Kirk Cousins? You know, I think that's right. everybody's hesitation. That's a great point. Do you trust Kirk Cousins? Um, and I'm not sure I'm I do, but I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I trust him any more or less than Daniel Jones. All right, who are you taking? I will take I will take the Giants 30 to 28. All right, that's a good score. Uh, let's talk to Tom in Deptford. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, Tom. Hey guys, how you doing? I, listen, the, the point that was just brought up with the last caller kind of kind of bothered me in a little bit in the sense of this: it, it, in the NFL, 
listen, if you're going to establish a, a, a great franchise, you need the guy at, 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 at the quarterback level. I'm sorry. If you're going to try to every four years to change the quarterback. But listen, look at the teams. Listen, okay, the Chiefs might have not won a Super Bowl, but every year the Chiefs are 13-3. and three. So somebody's doing something right there, or they're 12-4. and four. You're always you, – with the Chiefs, you're always going to have a chance to win because of Mahomes. Yeah, but here's so – here's, Tom, let me just stop you there real quick. The difference is how many other Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady's are yeah, you going to find know, out there? You don't know. You might have this in Hurts. You don't know that. I, I'm not sure exactly what we're, we're disagreeing on. We're not saying not we saying want Hurts to leave. No, well – you're saying the guy said you can replace your quarterback every four years and 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 make it the system, and I I'm not saying that you can. What I'm saying is because of the price of quarterbacks, I, I think it becomes really important to build a team around him when he's young and win it on his first contract, which is where the Eagles are now. Okay. It's going to be tougher for the Eagles. Like you've seen Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, right? They're good, but they never get back to the Super Bowl yeah, but, because but, but, Aaron Rodgers swallows up so much of their their um, salary cap. But but I totally – is that because of maybe the coaches are that good? Is that because maybe guys get hurt? I, I don't I believe I mean, there's, that. A, there's more than one factor, I but I don't think my factor is, is unimportant. I mean, yeah, their coaches, their coaches have not been great. I'll give you that. But I think, I think it, it is a factor how quarterbacks take all the money. It doesn't mean that I want Hurts to leave. Please don't take mm-hmm. it that way. I mean, it just means could... that it becomes more challenging, and now is the great time to win the Super Bowl. Well, well let's, let's take the Patriots. Okay, Tom Tom Brady was was known at some point to take less of the deals. But look at if you got a great coach, I don't care what anybody says, say what you want to say about Andy Reid. He's there every year. Mm-hmm. He gives your team a chance, regardless of, of the less of the players, of the talent that you don't have because the quarterback takes up so much cap. He and again, they might they might be there right at the end. I don't know if the Bills are gonna be able to beat them. I, I just do I think that's gonna be a great game. A shootout. I mean, you're also going to take it. You know, the Bengals also. I just, I don't know. I, I agree about, but I in the NFL, you can't go every four or five years. No, get, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I hear your point. Yeah, I do, and I don't Thanks, want. Tom. Yeah, I, and it may have come across that we thought like, okay, so you replace the quarterback. Right. To me, it's not that you replace the quarterback. To me, it's that. It's going to be tougher. It is, and there are different levels of this. Look, it's it's interesting uh, that Tom used. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady is the two examples of this who are probably two of the three best quarterbacks of the last quarter century in the NFL, and Brady certainly is the best of all time. But there are different levels of this. You can have a quarterback like a Matt Ryan in Atlanta, where that that franchise was in total disarray mm-hmm. after Michael Vick went through his problems and they hired several different coaches, and Matt Ryan comes in and is a stabilizing force there for more than a decade. Did they win the Super Bowl? No, but having Matt Ryan there was of immense value to that franchise. There are going to be quarterbacks where it's worth making the bet that it's worth paying them that much money. I just wonder if there are going to be more teams that say, you know what, we're going to try to just cycle through these guys rather than try to find the absolute best of the best. Yeah, I absolutely don't want to get rid of Hurts. I don't want that to be implied right. in there. All right, Dan and AJ, stick around. We'll get you guys on the other side, and we will introduce... Ooh, Little baseball talk Phillies make a signing last night, and I get a feeling that a lot of people aren't happy with it. We'll see how Mike feels. 215-592-9494. Only been saying that for 20 years. 
Uh, with Mike, I'm Glenn. I can tell you from my long association with the folks at Meridian Bank, they are among the best and the brightest when it comes to the banking part. But you know what? They're also a bunch that likes to have a fun time, and maybe that's why Meridian... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Two on, one out. And the pitch. Swung on, did it, crushed, and the Phillies are going to lead it, four to nothing, a three-run home run for Reese Hoskins. His first postseason home run, and he's sprinting around third base. Chills, Mike. Yeah, that was uh, that was the moment of the Phillies postseason until Bryce Harper came up in the bottom of the eighth of Game Five of the National League Championship Series. Game Three, Atlanta. Is that yep. when? It, yeah, game okay, three, that's yep. when this was. Yeah, and it was. Oh my God, it was great. And he was in a slump, and he had made errors, and he just the Reese Hoskins comes through. By the way, brilliance by Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I love. I hearing those guys just always puts a smile on my face. We play that because. Uh, last evening, I guess it was, the Phillies agree 
with Reese Hoskins on a deal for 2023, $12 million one-year deal avoiding arbitration. They also signed uh, Edmundo Sosa, Gregory Soto, the new lefty they got uh, to maybe be a closer. Ranger Suarez to new contracts avoiding arbitration. Hoskins is a very polarizing figure. Uh, when I put that they sign him, my Twitter feed was hit by one of these bombers. <laughs> well, I think well, that was the exact quote. Were, were all my uncles, cousins, and in-laws <laughs> on your Twitter feed? <laughs> so, I'm, I, I mean, I'm going first. I get it. I get the strikeouts. They're they're problematic, and the defense is really subpar. But he is a Pretty good offensive player despite the strikeouts. Led the team in doubles. Second on the team in home runs. A lot of walks. Um, He's a middle-of-the-order guy. He gets hot, and he's great. He gets cold, and his problem. And I guess my my other, my final point is, if not Hoskins, who's playing first base? Yeah. Look. Because, I'm sorry, because the idea of moving Alec Bohm, Alec Bohm doesn't have enough offense to play third base, nor is he a particularly good offensive player. Why would I want him as a first baseman where his lack of offense would become more glaring? Look, yes. Leave Bohm aside for a second because I think it's possible for him to improve uh, as a hitter, his power numbers. He's still relatively inexperienced. Um, but you're right. Like If you move Hoskins out of first base and put Bohm there, then you've got to find somebody at third base who delivers more offense. And it is hard to find someone who is as good offensively as Reese Hoskins. I understand how streaky he is. I understand that people, the last thing that people think of now when they think of Hoskins is him, you know, butchering a ball at first base Mm -hmm. in the World Series and striking out a lot. He also hit four home runs in the league championship series, two of which, several of which were big home runs. It wasn't like he was hitting them when the Phillies were up eight to one already. They were meaningful home runs and he can carry a team for a week or two, which is the kind of thing that you need from a power hitter during the course of a regular season. Every year he's been in the big leagues, he's had an OPS, a combined on-base and slugging percentage, of at least 794. That was his worst one, and that was last year, okay? He's a productive hitter, 30 home runs last year. As you said, Glenn, a lot of walks. Is he perfect? Of course he's not perfect. Did they sign him to a long-term contract? They did not. They got him for one year, $12 million. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no issues with this at all. Yeah, and and I know twelve million of people sounds like a fortune. It is not. It, no, it's, it's does not put him in the higher echelon of paid first baseman. No, I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. And it got me a chance to play Fransky in L.A. And so that made the whole. That's thing. never a bad thing. Nah, let's talk to Dan in Pottstown. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, hey Dan. Hey, um, people are kind of dismissing the 49ers. Um, somewhat because they have a rookie quarterback and who knows how he'll play when the pressure is really on. Um, We have a quarterback who's played very well, but last year in the playoffs when the pressure was on, the other team was saying he doesn't know what's coming. He also had an undefeated team at Alabama in the national championship game, and he got pulled at halftime. So... um, I think we're kind of equal in that respect with the Niners. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you're you're assuming that Hertz is the same Hertz as he was last year. You haven't seen dramatic improvement in Jalen no, Hertz. He has improved, but beating the beating the Giants in October is not like playing in the playoffs. Uh, what team? Uh, well, of course. What team in the NFL this year has the best record against other teams with winning records? 
Um, I assume it's the Eagles. It is, 7-1. and one. Okay, but, you know, the proof is when the pressure is on. Well, yeah. let me Go say ahead. this, Dan. Um, to, to your point, I think one of the things you have to keep an eye on with respect to the 49ers and Brock Purdy is how much are they really going to rely on him to try to win a playoff game. Remember, this is a team that, what, two, three... They've got weapons. Right, but my point is, two or three years ago, this was a team that that got to the Super Bowl and had its quarterback throw eight passes in an NFC Championship game because Mm -hmm. it was that strong a team. Now, they're not going to ask as much of Purdy, and they're probably going to ask even less of him in the playoffs. So the, the challenge to me isn't, you know... Is Brock Purdy, the question isn't, is Brock Purdy as good as Jalen Hurts? It's a question of what are you asking Brock Purdy to do versus what are you asking Jalen Hurts to do? Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, you know. And it's it's just the thing, like, don't just automatically think that San Fran can't come in here and win. Oh, I'm not going to say they no, can't not, come no. in here and win. No, no, I don't think anybody said that. But I will throw in one other thing, and I do think it's a factor. Brock Purdy will be playing in his first playoff game, first big stage game, on the road, in a hostile stadium of 70,000 people, it is a factor. Oh, no, it is. But, you know, I think um, as a team, I think they match up pretty well. And did you hear the one stat? I think it was Trey Wingo called in. Like, if you played the Niners, the next week if you had a game, you were 0-13 for the year. I didn't hear that, but that's a yeah. Hopefully, if the Eagles play the Niners, they won't be playing the following week. They'll, they'll have, have a bye, bye before the Super Bowl. There you go, Allen Doylestown. What's happening, Al? This Al or AJ? AJ, excuse it's me. AJ. Hey uh, it's okay. It's okay. How you doing, guys? Good. Hi, AJ. I, I, I have two points on Jalen Hurts, but uh, you, when you bring up the quarterback and how to construct a team when they're on their uh, you know rookie deal, I think you. It really comes down to how well do you trust management to draft and bring in the right pieces. So I think if you want sustained success, you're going to go with the you know the Aaron Rodgers and the big deals. Um, if if you really want to have a better team around a quarterback on the cheap, you better hope the GM can draft well and that quarterback that you draft that small window fits and actually executes the way you want them to. So I think it's a uh, you know, pick your poison type of deal. Yeah, um, AJ, you're right on the money with that. The drafting matters incredibly. It's incredibly important. And then with Jalen Hurts, it's two points. The, the only concern I have with Jalen is really, and it doesn't matter who we play, is in the championship game because having that week off between, you know, right now the wild card and the divisional, and then having the week off between the championship and the Super Bowl, I think just – puts him in a position where he can he can kind of go all out in that next game. Um, so really, I think it's that back-to-back divisional championship that if he gets beat up a little bit next week, where does that leave him for the championship game? Um, so there's that. And, and I tend to think a lot of people are discounting just how good of a quarterback he is, that yes, he's, he's much better when he's able to use his legs, and I think everyone can agree with that. But I trust Jalen Hurts more – as just a, as a quarterback in the pocket uh, than I would a Gardner Minshew. And, and I think it was brought up during the oh, Saints broadcast. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that's a safe one. It, yeah, that, you know, they talked about Nick Foles, that, hey. Yep. Oh, he's on yeah. out on us. We, yeah. we, got, we got your point, though. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a good point about uh, how much Hurts improved as a passer. And as we said earlier in the show, Glenn, I think – the proof will be in the pudding in terms of situations 
that present themselves once the games begin, once the Eagles are playing. If it's a 20-17 to 17 game and it's third and three, the chances are pretty good that the Eagles will consider and maybe use Jalen Hurts as a runner mm-hmm. because the game will be on the line in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think you know we're likely to see Hurts play very similarly to the way that he did in the first half of that Giants game in the last game of the season where if there's an opportunity for him to slide, he's going to slide. He's not going to take on blockers and tacklers the way that he did early this year. 215-592-9490 for Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now, coming up, we're going to talk to Ray Dittinger. A lot of football, but we just talked about the Phillies' first baseman. Yes. Remember Ray's nickname for him? Corner Butcher. See how Ray feels about that signing. He may not be as positive as we are. That's okay. Anyway, Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's time to finally replace those old drafty windows and doors, there is no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's Big Winter Sale. Now, the great people at Guida Door and Window, they're extending the Big Winter Sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. Receive 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window. That also includes free high-performance low-E glass. And if you're in need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. This offers for a limited time only. you got to act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. And the gun is Hurts. Sanders behind him. This time, Hurts gives it off, and he runs with the football and keeps it and takes it across the five and rolls down to the two. And is he in? Yes! He is. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. That's magic. A great fake to Sanders, and then he kept it and ran around the right end and took it 26 yards for a touchdown. Little sleight of hand, Mr. Reese, oh, I think he had you fooled. Oh, he had, me, <laughs> he had the Vikings fooled. And that's the Jalen Hurts we love. Oh, yeah. I like that Jalen Hurts. So I'm going to ask Ray Didinger, who joins us now, always an honor, my pal, my colleague. Ray, are we going to get to see that Jalen Hurts in the postseason? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Uh, you know you're going to get to see Jalen Hurts, but are you going to get to see that Jalen Hurts? Or are you going to see the Jalen Hurts that closed out the regular season? I don't know. I don't know. And that's, you know, that's the overarching question about the Eagles team. I mean, when Jalen Hurts was that Jalen Hurts, um, the Eagles were the best team in the NFL. And it really, it really wasn't even close. Uh, but ever since that game in Chicago, and ever since uh, they had injury, um, there's there there are real questions to be asked, and we're not going to start getting any real answers until next week. Ray, Glenn, and I were talking earlier in the show about the kind of relative apprehension that we're sensing in the Philadelphia area about the Eagles now, and how it compared to what happened in 2017-18, where they were underdogs, and it seemed like everyone in the area just kind of embraced them wholeheartedly and uh, turned their hearts over to them. What's your sense? You know, talking to people, you know, just your finger on the pulse kind of thing of how people are approaching uh, this first playoff game next week. Yeah, I know. Um, that's 
uh, it's the same. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying. But this, to me, is much more like the um, the T.O. year. You know, uh, you're right. I mean, a couple of years ago, when with the Wentz injury, um, they became the underdogs to the point where they wore the masks and everybody began referring uh, to them like on. that. And they, they, I want to say, I have a photograph of Ray Dinger wearing one of those masks. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, sit, sitting Sally alongside Sharper. you who were... Oh yeah, sitting alongside you who are also wearing one. No doubt, we were in the bread aisle at Zally's supermarket, as I recall. No, <laughs> enjoying it immensely. Yes, no, we were. No wonder <laughs> doing... Christy Brinkley wanted to go to lunch with him. <laughs> All right, I'm yeah, sorry, so, I, I interrupted so the flow. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Um, that's perfectly fine. Um, but th- that was a whole different thing. I mean, that, the underdog thing became their identity, their identity, and the whole city got behind it. And it took them all the way to a championship. To me, what what the people are feeling now is much more akin to the T.O. year, when uh, they were, again, a, a lot like this year. They were the best team in the league all the way through, and then you got into December, and then your star player goes down with an injury, uh, and there's a question of whether he's, he's going to come back at all. And um, then there's the layoff, and then you go into the playoffs. And I remember doing our Saturday show um, the day before the Eagles were going to play the Vikings in their first playoff game that year, um, and tremendous apprehension, you know, because you know, how are they going to be? It's, you know, it's what a pity. They had they were, had this great team, and now T.O.'s hurt, and now we can't do it. And, and um, that's, the, that's the feeling I have. It's much more like that is the um, – Boy, it was a great year, but now I don't know where we're. I don't trepidation. know where we're going to go. Yeah, there yeah, is there, think, there is yeah, trepidation. I think, I think it's there. much. I think it's much more akin to that than than what it was in 2017. Okay, so that can be quickly erased, of course, next week when they play their first game. I guess there's four potential opponents. It could be the Seahawks. We don't think it's going to be Seahawks. Maybe it's the Giants, who I think could certainly beat Minnesota. Or it will be uh, one of the evil empires, Tom Brady or the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you think it's most likely to be? I, I think it's going to be the Giants. I think, I, think the, I, I, think the, I think the Giants are going to beat the Vikings today. Uh, I'm, I'm, going with the, I'm going with the upset there. And, you know, I don't know how much of an upset, you know, I don't know really how much of an upset it is if you've, anybody that's really followed the Vikings this year uh, and you've seen them. They've gotten to thirteen and four in a very curious mm-hmm. <laughs> way, uh, and you know there's always the feeling: you know, how many of these, how many games can they win in the last minute? I don't, I, I don't know. But you know, there's there's a history in the wild card round that um, that sixes beat threes all the time. Um, it, it's almost like it, wild card in the NFL round is almost like the NCAA basketball, where twelves beat fives yeah. all the yeah. time. You know, that's that's always that's always the killer bracket where the underdog always seems to win. In the NFL wild card, it's six and three. Um, and over the last five years, eight times uh, the six has beaten the three. Wow! Uh, and so, um, and, Wait, would that and be eight know, out of eight times out of ten games? Then eight out of ten. Wow. Okay. Which is I, I know I know you know I mean there are trends that there are trends that kind of resonate and there are trends that are just kind of stupid. You and I talk about that all the time. Oh yeah. But I mean this one to me has some significance and I think there's some real history here that makes some sense, especially when you look at these two teams, uh, and especially the way I look at it. You know, when you look at the Vikings, 
really the Viking, it comes down to Kirk Cousins. Is Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins going to have a good day, or is Kirk Cousins going to be Kirk Cousins? You know, and um, when you've seen them this year, when they've gotten blown out, I mean, it's been largely because the quarterback play was so poor. And it all with him, it always begins with just pressure. If he just can stand in the pocket and feel real comfortable and look down the field and throw the ball, he can be really effective. But he does not handle – and this has been true forever with him. He does not handle pressure well. And if you get after him early uh, and throw him off his game and you get him nervous and jumping around in the pocket and forcing throws, things can get really bad. And, and you know, the Giants have – the Giants have Wink Martindale calling the plays, and he's – I mean, he's Buddy Ryan 2.0. I mean, he's going he's to be coming after him from the minute he gets off the bus. And so, you know, does Wink Martindale get in Kirk Cousins' head early today? If he does, I think the Giants have a real good chance of pulling off the upset. All right, Ray, so let's take the other side of this. Let's assume for the sake of argument that Cousins handles the pressure that Martindale's going to bring, as you said, and the Vikings win, which sets up a situation where the Eagles would have to play the winner of Cowboys-Buccaneers. I have a strong kind of feeling about who the Eagles would probably rather face. The question to you is, number one, who do you think wins that game? And number two, and kind of more relevant to everybody who's listening, who would be the better matchup for the Eagles to face? Who would be the better opponent? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, real, it's really funny. I was talking to Ron Jaworski this week and uh, asked the same question. Uh, and Ronnie, of course, said, oh, I want the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is uh, a lot that. of that is just his, his old, sure. you know, I mean, he's flashing back to 1980. Um, to me, honestly, I, I think I, if in that game, Monday night game, which is going to get a monster TV number, I can't wait to see what the TV number on that one is, a standalone game with, you know, with America's team against America's quarterback. I mean, that's, that's going to get a huge audience. I, I like the Cowboys in that game. Uh, I just don't know that Brady's. I, I know he, you know he's the master of getting the ball out fast now. I mean nobody gets it out quicker. But I just don't know if his offensive line is good enough to hold up against a Cowboys team that can get a lot of pressure. I just uh, I know Prescott has been on a really bad stretch now, uh, and I mean he's turning the ball over at an alarming rate. Uh, and and you know maybe he has one of those nights, but I just I just look at that Cowboys pass rush and I look at the Bronc, uh, the Bucks offensive line, and to me it just even though the game's in Tampa, to me the game just tilts Cowboys. And but as far as who would I for the Eagles a matchup? I think the I, 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 if you're the Eagles, I think you got to hope that you get the Bucks. Would yeah. you rather? The Cowboys, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, because I mean look at I mean. The Cowboys, the Cowboys have beaten the Eagles eight of the last eleven, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so I mean it's I mean nobody likes to say it around here. It's kind of like the dirty secret about, but the Cowboys kind of have the Eagles number right now, uh, and so if you got a choice between a team with a bad offensive line, no running game, and a forty-five-year-old quarterback, even though he's a great one, versus a team that's beaten you eight out of the last eleven, I'll take the forty-five-year-old quarterback. I hear that. So I'm going to change the topic a little bit. There uh, has been some conversation in the last week that both of the Eagles coordinators, Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, uh, are being considered for head coaching jobs. Do you think, Ray, A, they would make good head coaches, and B, that they're ready for that kind of job? Uh, boy, I mean, yeah, the talk is really strong. Uh, I mean, some of the people, you know, I still talk to people around the league, and uh, – they are, they are very hot candidates. Um, I I think you're probably likely. I don't know if you're going to lose both, but I think you're very likely to lose one of them. Um, and as head coaches, 
I don't know. I, I, I just I just don't have that great a feel for them as guys. You know, I haven't been around them enough to have uh, a sense of how strong of a, you know, the it factor uh, do they have. I think they're good coaches, uh, and what they've accomplished here is is pretty admirable. Uh, I mean, I think the work that Shane has done in bringing Jalen Hurts along is is the thing that has really vaulted them into people's minds about if you're going to develop a young quarterback, gee, you look at what he's done with Hurts. I think it's, it, I mean, that's why his stock is on the rise. And Gannon, you know, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of people that aren't big fans of Jonathan Gannon, but it's hard to argue against the numbers. So um, I think they're both very strong candidates, but I, I, I don't have a real – I haven't been around them enough to have a strong sense of their personality and their ability. Can they, can they transition from coordinator to head coach? Because it's, it's, it's different. It's different. I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of guys over the years um, that I met them when they were coordinators and interviewed them and walked away and said, man, that guy's going to be a head coach, and he's going to be a good one. You just feel it. I mean, they just project it. It's the way they own the room. I mean, uh, and, you know, I've, to me, a perfect example was Mike Holmgren. Mm. I mean, the first time I was around Mike Holmgren when he was the quarterback coach slash OC in San Francisco under Bill Walsh, I mean, the first time I met Holmgren and saw Holmgren handle himself in a press setting, I just said, yeah, this guy's going to be a head coach. I mean, and, and he's going to be successful. Um, and it didn't take long. I mean, it took one session, and I just felt it. I haven't been around these guys enough to know it. Uh, but I think there, I think there's not much question they're going to get the opportunity. If it's not this year, it's going to be soon. Right, Glenn and I have kicked around uh, with the callers so far this morning uh, a discussion about Jalen Hurts and kind of more broadly the way teams have to build their rosters now in the modern NFL with a salary cap and taking advantage of a quarterback on his rookie contract and the possibility that teams might start trying to cycle through quarterbacks uh, to keep that position cost low so that they can build excellent teams around them and then if you get a Mahomes or a Brady or a Rodgers you pay him a lot of money what's your take on this and where do you think it's going throughout the league and and maybe what do you think will happen with the Eagles and Hurts I mean my position would be they're going to have to pay him and they're just going to have to to roll and hope that he uh he becomes the quarterback that he's and stays the quarterback he's been this season yeah, it's, it's, Hertz is. I, I agree. They don't have much choice. I mean, with the with the way he's played, uh, certainly with the way he's played this year, um, you have to commit to him long term. And I, I would expect that to happen in this off season. There are probably some people that would say, "Well, let him play out the last year, and you know, let's have the advantage of that last year on the rookie contract, and use that money to bring in some more good players." And you know, he knows he's going to get paid down the road. We'll just promise him that we're going to be we're going to make good for him a year. Well, no, I don't know if it works that way. Yeah. You know, I think with the year that he's had this year, and especially, I mean, my goodness, especially if they go on and they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, uh, and he caps off the year, then then that deal gets done. But he's, um, but I think I think the point that you're kind of making here, Mike, is that he is a different kind of investment because of the way he plays. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's not Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not. He's not a quarterback in the traditional sense. I mean, he's the way he runs this, the way he plays, and the way he runs this offense, and and what this offense means, and how it sets up everything else about this Eagles team, um, is a guy who he's at risk. I mean, he he really is at risk. And as a team, are how are you going to make the kind of long-term, multi-year, multi-million-dollar investment in a quarterback that has to play the way this guy plays? 
you know, is that really a sound, quote-unquote, investment moving forward? Because to be Jalen Hurts and to be as effective as he is, he has to play the way he plays now. And can he sustain that, and how long can he sustain that? And then what does that mean in terms of his economic viability moving forward? These are all discussions, I assure you, these are all discussions that are happening within the building down there now because they know they have to sign him, and they know they have to reward him for what he's done. But it becomes a much trickier kind of investment when you see the way this guy plays. I mean, a guy that's going to be rushing for 700, 800, 900 yards a year and taking the kind of hits that he's been taking, you know, how much can you invest in him and how many years can you trust that investment? I don't know what choice they have. No, I don't. I don't I, know they I, have a choice. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't. They. Well, to be frank, they don't have a choice. Right. The question is. The question is. Okay, you're going to have to resign them, but how do you structure that investment, yeah. and how much are you prepared to pay? Because trying to negotiate a contract and project the future of Jalen Hurts is far different than trying to do that with Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. All right. Couple quick questions. Because um, I know how you're going to feel about this. So uh, the Chiefs have the bye this week. The Bills play the Dolphins, who don't have Tua. Uh, Cincinnati certainly in the mix, but it looks like it could be, well, if it's Bills Chiefs or, or Bengals Chiefs, it's going to be in Atlanta in a dome. Uh, neutral site, and there is a movement now among some owners in the league to have the championship games, not just the Super Bowl, but the championship games be at neutral sites. If they consulted Pro Football Hall of Famer Ray Didinger on that, what would you say? Don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. I'm. I'm okay with. I'm okay with the Super Bowl. I'm okay with the Super Bowl being a an orchestrated, pecked ahead of time rotation kind of deal. Just because. I mean, it is, it's it's such it's, it's such an enormous event. I mean, it takes years to plan one to execute it. You can't. You can't figure out you're going to play the Super Bowl next week. Okay, let's start getting ready. You know, I mean, it's it's such it's such a mammoth event that you need years to prepare for it. So I understand why the Super Bowl has to be planned ahead of time. But the conference championship games, I think they should always have a home field advantage. I just I just think they should. Now this year you you have a very unusual circumstance that kind of dictated what we're facing here now. But going forward, no. I, I, I'm not in favor of that. And I know baseball has talked about, you know, and now that we've got World Series is playing into November, uh, and there's always weather issues, would it be better to play the World Series in neutral sites where you're going to be guaranteed? No, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I think you have to maintain the atmosphere of, of the home fan and the home field advantage for as long as you possibly can. Super Bowl, I understand, is a, is a special case. But other than that, no, I'm not in favor of it. By the way, one of the things, I really like Wild Card Weekend because there's always unexpected things happening, and there probably will over the course of these next three days. But one of the reasons I think this is going to be really a lot of fun is you're, you're going to have seven quarterbacks making their first postseason start. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, I think, I think that takes the un- unpredictability factor even higher. I mean, as unpredictable as this weekend typically is, the fact that you have so many quarterbacks that are going to be starting their first postseason game that I, th- I just think it's going to. I just think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm with you, Ray. I don't like the trend in sports toward everything being homogenous. You know, we've seen it in baseball, for instance, in the style of play that everybody swings for the fences and home. You know, tries to hit a home run, and everybody wants right. pitchers who throw 95 to 100 miles an hour. It's why I'm a proponent of the rules changes that are coming next year. And I would feel exactly the same way about the championship games if 
If they're played in snow and that favors one team over the other, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, those make for games with character and make for games that are memorable. Um, and if a dome team gets there, then a dome team gets there. But I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's going to get a whole lot of traction. That idea, I, I just don't think. I just don't think anybody. I mean, you might have a few people that think it's a good idea, but I don't think it's going to be enough to carry the day. All right, Ray. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing you this coming Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be at Conchock and Brewing Company, uh, Puddler's Kitchen. It happened, by the way. They finished work on the bridge, everybody. <laughs> so I know you guys who came last time. The traffic was just hideous, and it's been that way for a while. That they, that's done. The traffic is cleared. I'm hosting a release party for Mike and Merrill Philly Special Hazy IPA at Public Staff and Kitchen by Kotchak and Brewing, 3 to Cap Street in Bridgeport. The pep band's going to play. Ray's going to sing with the pep band. I don't know about I that. I am? We'll see. I'm going to host a Quizzo-like uh, Eagles trivia contest. Mike said if somebody can grab you to be on their team, they're going to win, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, Ray is going to have copies of all of his books, certainly the Eagles Encyclopedia, and uh, I always appreciate Ray when you come out there, and the people love to see you. Oh, listen! I always en- I always enjoy going to the uh, your place in Bridgeport. It's really it's really a lot, it's really a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad to hear the bridge was fixed because that was not fun. No, that's but, not. Uh, no. I'm, 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 def- I'm definitely looking forward to ha- hanging out with Merle and Mike on. Uh, we, were, I, we I was just with them for one of the. Uh, they're, they're not going to be there. Lunch. The beer's going to be there. They're yeah. not going to be there. <laughs> oh, they're not going to. But be the pep band will. The pep band Ray will. They'll sing to you. Well, no, no, wait, 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 no, no, no. There was a promise made. There was an implicit promise made during this interview that Ray was going to sing with the pep band. And I have to be honest, I've always thought of Ray Dittinger as the Roy Orbison of the Philadelphia media, <laughs> sports media. So I think this has to happen, Ray. Mm. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right. No pressure. Uh, Ray, again, I look forward to seeing you then. And uh, I know people always love the opportunity to get your great books. And so we'll talk to you then. I look and forward to that, and I would, and for all your listeners, I would recommend highly uh, that they read Mike Sealski's column. Uh, it's, it's in the Saturday paper, and I guess it's probably going to be also in the Sunday paper, talking about the very thing we were talking about: is who does a Philly fan root for in a Dallas Buccaneers game? It's very well done, Mike. Oh, thanks, Ray. I appreciate that, Ray. Always <laughs> a pleasure, and I'm delighted that you're going to be with us through the playoffs, pal. Take care, guys. I'll all talk right. to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Ray. Bye, bye. We will see you then. There you go. Right, it said nice things about your column, which is terrific. Checks in the mail, Ray. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. 215-592-9494. We'd love to hear from you. We ought to talk more about that, Colin. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, coming up, the what we're watching, I found a great documentary this week. I know you started on That open is great. Uh, what we're watching, sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows' big winter sale through January. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit com. So I, over the last week, watched a four-part documentary. My wife plays cards one night, so I basically sat down and watched one and okay. watched another and watched. Kept rolling. Kept rolling. Um, it is Madoff, Bernie Madoff, Monster of Wall Street on Netflix. Each one's about an hour. Um, 
And I know that you, and I'm, I'm going to get to you in a second because I know you started, and mm-hmm. I know it's going to be a tough sell to try to persuade people to watch a show about a very complex issue of financial fraud that might sound a little dry. I mean, it might sound like doing homework, but it's not. It's a fascinating story that's going to pull you in. Anyway, you watched the first episode. So you go ahead, and then I'll tell you what I thought after watching four. So, yeah, I caught the first one because I was away in assignment for most of the week, so I didn't watch much of anything. Uh, But... I enjoyed the content of the first episode. You very live much. an actual life. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have things to do, as you've said. Yeah, <laughs> um, I enjoyed the content of the first episode very much, and you can tell if you are paying attention to the interviews in the background. It's not dry at all. Now, I'm a sucker, as I've said before, for true crime, and that's what this is. Uh, the one disappointing part was the first episode gets into Madoff's younger years and background and there's a lot of the reenactment where the actors are playing the moments that they the document documentary makers don't have film of so you see the same shots over and over again of like yeah. a an actor playing a 35 year old bernie madoff who gets up from the desk and walks over to the window and looks pensively out the window and slowly turns around yeah that's yeah, over and over and over yeah, again yeah, yeah. but I'm intrigued enough from the content that I want to continue to see the next three episodes. What did you think? Well, before that, did I ever tell you that I got hired to be an actor in one of those dramatization, documentary dramatizations? CNN was doing, was going to do a thing on Lincoln, Mm -hmm. and I got hired to play Lincoln's son's lawyer. Wow. It was two episodes, and it was one of those things where, like, there's no speaking, mm-hmm. but you, like, have to walk around a lot and act, like, gesticulate and all that. That's cool. I have a cousin who does that, too. Yeah, and then came the pandemic, oh, and no. it never happened. There and went that. Said, it was a yeah. Nancy Glass production. It was gonna oh. Yeah, I was all excited. It didn't happen. Anyway, so here's what I think. Um, I think it was great. And mm. if, you, if you don't know Bernie Madoff, he was the Wall Street trader who built a company that—it became so big— that more than 10% of all trades on the New York Stock Exchange every day went through him. That's incredible. It is amazing. And he attracted these incredibly high-profile clients. He would travel the world, and you see that, to seduce the wealthy to invest the money. And you know some of these people. Sandy Koufax, my Mm -hmm. hero, was one of them. Ellie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor, who I took a college class from. Fred Wilpon, who you kind of crossed paths with in New York. Yeah, so my... First job at the Wall Street Journal as a sports writer was covering the Mets uh, and would interact with Fred Wilpon all the, all the time. And I actually came off of the Mets beat, stopped covering the Mets about a month before the story broke that the Wilpons had invested so heavily with Bernie Timing. Madoff. Yep. So the problem was he was taking all of their money, and we're talking millions and billions of dollars, and not investing it at all. He had a Ponzi scheme. Yep. He would take money from Peter to pay Paul and not put a dime in the actual market. And this thing goes on for decades. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And he had this team of scamsters working for him that would create fake records and give clients bogus statements. And at one point, somebody's coming in. He's like, I demand to see my accounts. And they print this document off the printer, and it's so hot that they have to put it in the fridge <laughs> for half an hour to cool it down so it seems more realistic. The thing that will make you mad uh, watching this beyond Madoff's gall and mm-hmm. and lack of humanity, is that it went on in plain sight and he should have been caught more than a decade wow. before this house of cards collapses. There's one guy 
who works for um, a financial investment company in Boston. And his bosses come to him and they say, this guy Madoff, like, we can't compete with him. We figure out what he's doing. This, he's like a statistician math guy. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to reverse engineer what Madoff's doing. And he's the first person who concludes this is not mathematically possible. This is a scam. Writes up a thing called 37 Red Flags, gives it to the Security Exchange Commission, and they do nothing about wow. it. And this thing goes on. The regulatory agencies ignore it because they're too dumb, or sometimes they're all friends with Madoff, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're supposed to be protecting, but he's their guy. And the heartbreaking stuff is, and you see this most in the fourth episode, you see the investors, these people who like their life savings only to learn poof. Yeah, it's it's gone. And believe it or not, you end up seeing also the horrible fallout to his family who really had no idea this was gone. His sons and his wife. And, you know, at first you feel like they're complicit, but they're not. And you just end up having amazing sympathy for them. Look, it it ain't a Marvel movie. Um, but the guy who directed it, you, you mentioned true true crime watching it. The guy who directed this specializes in that did the conversations with the killer things with Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer. So he knows how to do the crime. This is the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. I guarantee you will be enthralled if you watch it. You should watch the rest. Made off the Monster of Wall Street on Netflix, four-part documentary. Just an interesting thing here, Glenn, as you were talking, it occurred to me, you know, they're, they're clearly drawing a connection by calling it the Monster of Wall Street to The Wolf of Wall Street, the Martin Scorsese movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And the amazing part about that movie, one of the amazing parts about it, I think it's one of Scorsese's best films ever. I mean, I would put it like a notch below Goodfellas, is that you never see in that movie the human cost that you just described Mm -hmm. when somebody who who accrues this much financial power and has so much control over somebody's futures, basically... uh, it turns out to be a fraud or a Ponzi scheme or, you know, just an evil person. But it sounds like in this documentary, that really brings it home. See these old ladies losing their houses. Yeah. I mean, they they literally interview, you know, this guy whose mom died because she lost her house and had nowhere to go and was pretty well to do. But it's really good. And uh, watch it. Okay. Let's talk to Eric in Maryland. You're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Hey, Eric. Hi, Eric. (laughs) Um, Glenn, I, I love the graphics on your beers. I'm not a, a beer drinker, but when you post the pictures, I really do love the graphics. I on appreciate your that. IPAs. I will. I will um, tell. I will tell the people who do that for us that you complimented them. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the the Madoff uh, movies or or uh, recant things that I love. I love the one that came out about it's about ten years ago uh, with Black Danner. I love that one. Yes, yes, I know that one. It was very good. You should watch this, Eric. It's really good. All right, I'll, I'll try to do that. Uh, what I want to talk about today is if the Eagles make it to the championship round and they do end up playing San Fran, do you feel like the Eagles have the personnel to match up with the current version of the 49ers, meaning Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle? Because Kaiser White hasn't been really making any plays, playing too great. And I, I do fear, I have a greater fear about McCaffrey overall anybody else yeah i think you raise a great point eric uh i think it would be a challenge uh for the eagles to to match that skill position talent that the 49ers have and not only do the 49ers have that 
they're just a tough team up and down that roster. Uh, and what's interesting about them, you know, we're, we've been talking a lot about Brock Purdy and how good is he really and how much do they rely on him. Well, the way Kyle Shanahan calls that offense and the creativity he uses, it's, it's almost like his quarterback is a point guard for the most part. Just, boom, get the ball out. You know, we're going to get it to McCaffrey. We're going to get it to Kittle. We're going to let them do those things. It's like, you know, Mo Cheeks giving the ball to Dr. J in the open court. Just let them do what they're going to do. And, you know, assuming the Eagles yeah. get to the championship game and Thank assuming you. the 49ers get there too, that's going to be a really tough challenge for the Eagles. I, there's no question about it. Yeah, uh, they they are, and we didn't barely talked about their defense. Which yeah, is, exactly. Which is really their strongest point. Yep. Aaron in Norristown, how you doing, Aaron? Good, John. How you guys doing today? All Hi, right. Aaron. Hey, hey, I want to talk about uh, Jalen Hurts in the Seattle San Francisco game. First of all, Mike, I mean, I'm going to, but you, you've covered the Eagles for a while, and you know, including last year going into the playoffs. Have you ever heard them discuss at length and to the extent? of the injury of a quarterback like no. they are right now. Really I odd. Mean, they they even concede, like, yes, he's really hurt. That's not something right. that they normally do. Which almost makes it look like a, a ruse, to be quite honest. Well, and I'm not saying I'm a conspiracy theorist, but yeah, yeah. I'm not only a quarterback, not any player have no. I ever seen any NFL team do this, and it's almost like they're doing it ad nauseum to, to make a point that, and I know Sirianni likes to play games, I'm and I'm hoping that's what's happening, and B, I kind of think that's what's happening. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Aaron. Glenn and I talked about this a little bit last week, and we talked about it earlier in the show a tad. You know, my, okay, my, no, it's okay. My theory on this is that Jalen Hurts likes being discussed this way to a certain degree because he thinks of himself as a different kind of quarterback, a cut Superman. above his peers. He's a Superman. Right. He heals faster than anybody else. He can play through things that no one else can play through. And so, to a great extent, the Eagles, you know, when Sirianni talks about it or when Hurts himself talks about it, this is what they want to do. They want the perception out there that Hurts is hurt and yet is going to perform and excel through the injury. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you gain anything from it. I don't know that you particularly lose anything from it. Opponents know his yeah. shoulder hurts. They know which shoulder hurts. They know that if they get the opportunity, they're going to try to really dump him on that shoulder and knock him out of the game. It is games. It's so much in every sport now. Upper body, lower body, all this stuff. You, you can't hide this th- stuff. This was all uh, Ken Hitchcock, when he coached the Flyers, used yeah. to complain about this all the time. Why am I saying an upper body injury? Everybody knows that everybody's right, hurting. He broke his hand. Yeah, at some right. level or another. You know, let's just be upfront about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, same principle applies here. And it has moved much more into football. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now at noon, we'll talk to Jeff McClain of the Inquirer. He covers the Eagles and does a great job of it. Hey, when you bring up banking, most business people roll their eyes. And I can tell you that Meridian Bank customers do not feel that way. Now, sure, Meridian business bankers do the loan thing, and they offer guidance on making your business more. Playoffs come through Philadelphia with the WWE Golden Title that comes through me. Well, that was great to hear, man. That, of course, is Lane Johnson, who did a little video yesterday or the day before, and he's obviously feeling better. He practiced with the team. He fully expects to play in the next game in two weeks. Dr. David Geld, our friend from Cooper Bone & Joint, joins us to talk about it a little bit. Doc, I hope you're having a good weekend, a good uh, start to your new year. Sure, yep. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing awesome, Doctor. 
So we've we've talked before about Lane and this injury and his plan to play through it. And he was at practice yesterday, and he, and he spoke to people, and he said that initial reports of his injury were incorrect. This is per Zach Berman, by the way. It was an adductor tear, ADD, not a core muscle injury. He said it's a fairly common injury. Uh, he spoke of uh, Cameron Jordan, who played through it in 2019, and he has no doubt about playing through it until he needs surgery. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you know, he's he's a warrior, and he's going to try to play you know whenever he can. And you know, everybody on the offensive line is probably, it's probably one of the toughest guys on the team. Yeah. So you know, the adductor muscles are the inside groin muscles, so it sort of does still correlate with some core injury. What that means is. You know, the core is your, your groin muscles, your abdominal muscles, and basically everything has to tighten everything together to, to move around back and forth and side to side. So every time he pushes off or goes to the side, he's going to feel that a little bit. <clears throat> Again, depending on how bad the tear is, you know, he tried to play through it, and hopefully he can uh, go through the next two two games and we'll be able to finish it up, and then he can take care of it after that. Is it is it simply a matter of pain threshold, <clears throat> doctor, how much he can endure? Um, I mean, it all, it all depends on how bad the injury is and how bad the tear was. I think we talked about it before. There was different variations of it. Um, but a lot of it's, you know, that pain be your guy type of thing. Um, if he has a lot of weakness and he can't push off and he can't move his legs side to side, then obviously that's a, a bigger factor. But uh, if he's able to tolerate it, then you keep pushing forward with it. And I assume they're going to numb it beforehand. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, they could give him, you know, uh, some lidocaine. Uh, a lot of times, obviously, give him some anti-inflammatories to try to help decrease inflammation and help decrease the pain. Um, you know, depending on how he's doing, but uh, that's a possibility, sure. Okay, so let's let's turn to the quarterback, uh, to Jalen Hurts. Uh, my perception of the shoulder injury is that the bigger concern when it comes down to him playing is not necessarily how many passes he throws and how well he throws those passes, but does he run with the ball? Is he going to be able to sustain a hit? What happens if he goes down on the shoulder against the hard link turf? Am I wrong about that? Is there, you know, what's the bigger concern here with him? Yeah, I mean, where his injury is a little, little uh, more, less common than what we usually think of, like an AC joint issue. From what I was reading, it's more what they call a sternoclavicular joint or SC joint sprain, which is. You go down right where your throat is, a little uh, notch right there. It's where the collarbone meets the breastbone. Um, and there's a couple little ligaments there that can get strained. So when he came right down on it, <clears throat> he injured that area. And so I agree with you that you know, if he comes down on it again, that's going to be more of a, the issue. Uh, he still does have some problems with, with throwing sometimes because when you pull back and you're going to come across your arm, your clavicle is moving back and forth, and that ligament stabilizes that a little bit. So depending on... It can cause some pain or discomfort, but I think the biggest issue with him, especially the fact that he is a runner too, if he comes down right on that spot again and then flares it up again and aggravates it, then you know, then we're deciding what we have to do about it. All right, Doc, what's your plan for the weekend? A lot of football. A lot of football, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's nice not to really worry about it and just we can enjoy the games. I'm really looking forward to Jacksonville. I think. Uh, People around here, especially, I think we're all Jacksonville fans too. So we do. Hopefully, we, we'll, we are. Who do you like in Dallas, Tampa Bay? <clears throat> I, I mean, it's a, I think you guys were talking about it before on who who we like to see. I, I, I just don't like Dallas at all. I think even <laughs> if we play them, they I would I would get scared more than Tampa Bay. So I think hopefully Tampa Bay wins and puts them out of their misery. There you go. Very honest opinion, Doctor David Gelt, Cooper Bonin, joining. As always, our pleasure to talk to you, man. All right, enjoy the weekend, guys. There you go. Thanks, Doc.
There are a lot of people say, give me Dallas, give me Dallas. And I get it. And there's reasons to want it. Listen, Dak Prescott has led the league in interceptions, and he's thrown a lot of pick sixes, a lot of Mm -hmm. dumb plays. Won the Josh Sweat in that game. Yes. Oh, God, that was great. Yeah. He could continue to do that. Um, Their secondary is really banged up. Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they're against that secondary. I kind of like that. Uh, and their offensive line, once great, not good. Eagles had 70 sacks. They'll get to Prescott. So, yeah, I think so. On the other hand, I think Tampa Bay is just a bad team. Yeah. Brady scares us because he's Brady. Yeah, but if he if his name weren't Tom Brady, right? if he if he were just the quarterback of a team that went 8-9 and nine to win the worst division in the NFL, yeah. you wouldn't worry about it. Have the Eagles ever beaten Brady in a big game before? Not that I can mm, remember, Glenn. I, you know, I really have to think back on that. There you go. Okay, well, see, I'm, I, I think I, I'm happy. My order would be, mm-hmm. forget Seattle, they're not going to win. My order of preference of teams I want to see next week, number one, Giants, number mm-hmm. two, Tampa, number three, Dallas. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the only reason to want Dallas first is if, you just want the satisfaction of the Eagles beating Dallas. Yeah, it's a good storyline. Right. Uh, but I think of those three teams, Dallas would present the stiffest challenge. Well, let's see. Andy in Huntington Valley has got a preference on this. What are you thinking, Andy? I uh, I really prefer the Giants first off as first choice. Tampa, Tampa concerns because of the Eagles' history with Tampa. Um, if you remember, um, the final game of the vet, they lost to Tampa. Yep. The yep. first game at the link. They lost to Tampa. Um, I, you know, it's like one of those, like, I'm not afraid, but it's like that historical significance thing. Um, so I, I think I'd rather see Dallas instead of, uh, of Tampa, to be honest with you. That, that's interesting, Andy. See, I, I look at it a little differently. I think, you know, Tampa doesn't run the ball, for instance, at all, which has been a, an issue for the Eagles at times this year, certainly in the first possessions uh, for their defense. Uh, Brady doesn't throw the ball down the field anymore. He gets the ball out quickly, but you know you look at his yards per attempt. They're I think the third worst in the NFL. Uh, I just don't think, as Glenn just said, I don't think Tampa's very good uh, in any regard. And you know, being Tom Brady yeah. at forty-five only gets you so far. And the thing with Brady is, and I and somebody recited stats yesterday, and I wish I'd written them down because they were amazing. When he has time to throw. He's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't, he's a mess. I mean, the numbers are awful, and he does their offensive line. I think they're getting the center back who's yeah. been hurt, but their offensive line has been a mess. And as I said, the Eagles' defensive line has 70 sacks. They're going to beat yeah. up. It's going to be the Brandon Graham strip sack festival. <laughs> Listen, I would I would love to look. You look at historical significance, you'll say, you know, with, with certain teams, and you, they're different players at different times. It's just I was thinking about it, you know, when the matchups were coming out, and I'm thinking, like, I was there in the last game of the vet, and I was there at the first game of the link, and mm. I'm like, that was not fun. Um, no. I feel the way, you there. The, yeah. It's, the, it's the funny. The Madoff series. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, go no, ahead, you, Go. So I, I, I caught the, the Madoff thing, and the interesting thing about it was that, you know, in 2008, when everything crashed, the banks got bailed out. The executives got their bonuses, but the poor people who got taken in by Madoff got squat, other yes. than what was recovered by point. the government. Yeah. And there's there's something wrong with our you know with our government and uh, you know the people who who are running that show with the uh, SEC and you know turning a, a blind eye and a deaf ear 
it, it really is amazing. Um, it really was. It really did. was something. I'm glad you saw, it, and I appreciate your review on that. And it really was something. And in fact, it was so. It was so. As he said, the banks got bailed out, and this all happened when the crash was yep. in 28. That's how his thing failed. It's like people wanted their money, had no money. That's how he got discovered. But the there was a guy hired whose job it was to recover as much money as he could from Madoff to mm-hmm. pay the victims. The problem was some of the money he took were from people who had received their money back from Madoff. So you you know you have your retirement home and you're taking care of your wife and this is it, this is what you're living right. on, and you were smart enough to get out of the market a little bit before and get money. Again, it's mm-hmm. all Ponzi scheme, but you got some of the money. This guy, the government would come to you and say, like, well, listen, you got 80% of your money back. We're taking half of that to oh. give it to other people who got nothing. Wow. So people are like, thank God I got out of there. They got pulled back in. It's 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 an amazing the- series. And as, as the caller said, it does not reflect well on our government and how it regulates. Now, if we wanted to take the show in this direction, and I know we don't, we could spend hours discussing the sociopolitical ramifications of the crash and what people like Madoff did and how it changed the way a lot of people looked at the U.S. government and the system and all yeah. that kind of stuff. No, it's terrible. It's terrible, but it's really compelling television, and you should watch it. All right. Uh, Madoff, the monster of Wall Street on Netflix. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those old drafting windows and doors, there is no better time to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sale. Now, the good people at Guida, they're extending their big winter sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. You receive 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass. And if you're in need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers for a limited time only, so you must act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one 877 or visit them at goguida.com. Let's go, G. Boston Scott, well, the giant killer. Yeah. He is the giant killer. It's amazing what he's been able to, to do against that team throughout his short stay in Philadelphia. Double tight end. Motion. Goddard comes back to the near side. Shotgun. Hurts. Gives it off to Scott. Up the middle. Touchdown! Boston Scott. The giant killer does <laughs> it again. Yes, he does. We love that. Uh, and, and that's what we saw last week. Uh, Jeff McClain, Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, beat writer, does a terrific job covering the Eagles, joins us for the hour. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, Glenn, Mike, how you guys doing? Good afternoon, Jeffrey. Uh, What's up? Well, we just play that Boston Scott thing just for fun because we both really like him, and there is the possibility they'll play the Giants next week. And just kind of oh, okay. out of the blue, wanted to ask you, have you ever known a player who just is – so unstoppable against one team? You know, it typically seems like that happens in a sport like baseball. You know, you look at numbers against a certain pitcher or something like that, certain guys. I don't think I've ever seen it in football. Um, but there's something with Boston. When he sees that blue, uh, he goes off, and his numbers are disparate. Um, 
the Giants versus basically the rest of every other team he plays. He's got, I think, 10 of his 17 career touchdowns have come against the Giants. And if you look at the individual number, numbers in terms of rushing and passing, I think he's or receiving, excuse me, he's got over five yards per carry rushing. He's got uh, over 13 yards per reception. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. But, yeah, I mean, it's possible if uh, the Seahawks lose today and the Giants win tomorrow, then it'll be the, it'll be the Giants here in Philadelphia in so- a week. So, Jeff, you know the Eagles as well as anybody who covers them, if not better than anybody who covers them. Uh, one of the things that, that Glenn and I have been talking about this morning uh, that's come up over and over again is this idea of the Eagles and Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni in particular talking so much about the fact that Hurts is injured and that he's not at 100%. You saw that when he spoke the other day at his locker. W- what is the sense you're getting from being around the team about exactly – a, exactly how injured Jalen is, and B, why the team is spending this much time talking about it. Yeah, I've had this kind of discussion with myself because it really does stand in contrast to how they typically handle injuries, especially when it comes to the quarterback. We heard from Nick Sirianni the first two weeks of uh, Jalen's injury about how, oh, this, you know, he's got this superhuman-like strength and our ability to recover from injuries. Oh, there's a chance he'll be back. And I think a lot of that was gamesmanship and and I and I wondered if this is gamesmanship because they've gone so far in, into one uh, end of the extreme and how they've talked about the injury and it basically started right right after the game. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's probably more than anything. It's a coach kind of talking up his player and what he's had to endure and kind of placating him in that regard. Um, and Jalen kind of. Look, Jalen has so much about him in terms of his temperament, his work ethic, everything that makes him kind of be an ideal quarterback at this level of the game. But there is, you know, a certain level of, um, I wouldn't say confidence or cockiness, where it's just, okay, you know, like last year I was a little surprised. Just there's a, there's a feeling he gives off about how he feels about himself that maybe you need to kind of coax that a little bit or – or sue that. And like, for instance, last year when he played on the ankle injury, he was like, yeah, we kind of downplayed it. And then after the game, he comes, you know, he comes walking in with the walking boot and, and talked about how much it, it had affected him at that point. I don't think he's making excuses. I think he was talking very matter of fact about it, but that's something that, that he said again, when we spoke to him right after the, the injury, the shoulder injury in Chicago, uh, you know, I, I don't want to re- place too much emphasis on that, but it took a lot of courage to play. You know, so yeah. I, I think in some ways, you know, you're just kind of doing what you, you want in terms of handling the quarterback, and 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 he's been very open about it, and that's probably the way they've they've decided to approach it. Jeff McLean joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean M C L A N E. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, regional presence, community touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. So. Jeff, again, we really don't know really exactly how he's feeling, how he's hurting, what's going to happen. But they're going to play a game next week against somebody, and they're going to have to decide how to use him. It was clear mm-hmm. in the game against the Giants that they held back, right? They won the game. They didn't expose him to the opportunity for injury. But in the playoffs, can they do that, or will it have to be, this is our offense, you running is a part of it, let's all cross our fingers and hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, and and you know that obviously that's the more important question. And you know he didn't throw on Thursday. He did throw a little bit more on Friday. If you compare that to what happened 
when he initially got hurt, he didn't, you know, he, when he first threw on the Thursday before the Saints game, that was 10 days in between when he played. Um, this would be less than that. But those are different circumstances, and, and we know that he's been able to at least play once. So it's probably not that, that much of a big deal. So my thinking is, look, they gotta, they got to involve him in the run game. He'll be a plus one. They will have zone replays. The running, you know, he'll have the option on the RPOs to, to keep the ball and run. They have to at this point. Um, maybe if it's, you know, a team, if it's it's not the NFC Championship, maybe you kind of dial back a little, little bit on that. I mean, I was a little surprised against the Giants. They didn't do it once just to say, hey, this is something that we have in our pocket. Think about this. Mm-hmm. Because as it, as it became increasingly clear over the over the, <laughs> over the the period of that that period of that game was that the Giants had figured out at that point that he was not even going to run at all and it just it, they were unable to really kind of get anything going inside the red zone um, so I think there's no doubt that he's going to run the ball and and he's going to probably be a little more aggressive not slide as early not run on his bound as early because that's just the way Jalen is and that's what they have to do to win to me the bigger concern is just is just how is that shoulder affecting his throwing um, I thought he looked pretty good throwing the ball but I felt like especially early on but as the game went on I think his numbers were 8 of 17 for like 70-something yards. There were a couple throws there were a little leaky. Um, that happens, and that happens even when he's going at 100%. Um, but, you know, things are moving faster in the playoffs. Uh, the holes are tighter. You know, it, will he be able to kind of consistently make those types of throws if he's not feeling 100% in terms of the arm? That's, to me, a, a, to me actually, that's a little bit more really? concern. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Jeff, what, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 1 being... It's the equivalent of you or me out there playing right tackle. Ten, it's him at his absolute best, which is the best right tackle in the NFL. Um, what's your guess on what we're going to see from Lane Johnson? Yeah, I mean, obviously purely speculation on my part. Um, but hearing Lane, he spoke yesterday for the first time since the injury, knowing him pretty well and people around him, he's not going to be 100%. We know that. Um, he's probably not He's probably not going to be ninety percent. My guess is probably somewhere in that seventy-five to eighty percent range. Um, I'll take it. And you know what? I mean, that still makes him better than what else do they have to put out there? Yep, yeah. I'll take and, it. And quite frankly, he's been playing um, at less than one hundred percent probably his ever since the whole ankle thing happened. I mean, that still bothers him um, to this day. I mean, is there is there any? Um, is it ever going to be completely normal? No, that just happens for players as they get older. That's that's the part playing football, and that's why Lane is increasingly talked talked about retirement and looking at least towards that. But Lane's as tough as they come. I, I you know, he, he Kelsey's probably one. He may be two in terms of like what I know about these guys and what they've played through and how they've played through it. You know, we just it's it's kind of a miracle um, what these guys put themselves through. Yeah. And Lane, though, I think you know, it, it's I've, people I've talked to. It's about the injury and playing through it. It's tough. It's going to be tough for an offensive lineman who uses that uses that core as much as any other position. Um, but it, it could have been worse. And at this point, having surgery, I mean, surgery obviously would shut him down. But, there, you know, I don't think there's any way. He's not at risk of making it a lot worse. That Let's just put it that, that right. way. And, and that's the key. Uh, all right. So, Jeff, there's the possibility of uh, any of four opponents next week when the Eagles play in the second round. Seattle, the Giants, the Cowboys, Tampa. Rank them from, uh, if you're the, the easiest to the most challenging. Mm, okay. I thought you were going to go uh, most likely to least likely. But, um, 
I mean, I think the Cowboys are probably the you know we'll, if we'll start with the um, hardest. Um, okay. The, for them to face, they beat them one. Now, of course, it was with Garner Minshew at quarterback, and they were home. Um, but I think when the Cowboys are playing at uh, to the to the highest of their capabilities, they're better than those three other teams. Um, now, you may not get that team if they beat the Bucks, and that's the team you have to play next next week. Um, but uh, I would think, you know, just the weapons that they have, especially on the defensive side, in terms of that pass rush, that's the team you at least like least want to play. Mm-hmm. Who do you think and is that, their most likely opponent, Jeff? I, and I, I think I think the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't think the Seahawks are going to beat the 49ers. I mean, like, I'm not making any um, wild proclamations here. Yeah. And I and I don't think the Giants. Although the Giants certainly go in and beat what I think is a kind of a little bit of a suspect Vikings team. But I think the Vikings will win that at home. Um, and then I think it then becomes between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. And, you know, the Cowboys are not good away from home. They're not good on, you know, natural services. Uh, that's been Dak's thing, too, as well. Um, that's, you know, maybe a narrative that doesn't always come into play if you look at the matchups. And the Bucks just aren't a really a good team. But they do have Tom Brady. I mean, like, look, he's a great equalizer. He's still playing at a high level. Um, he's, you know, at home, they could still win that game. So, they would be probably the second team I at least want to uh, see, and they're probably, the, the, I would say, the second most likely that they'll face. Okay. Um, but I think this is a way different team than the one that faced the Buccaneers, and that's a way different team than the one the Eagles faced last year in the playoffs. They'll be home. They'll have a lot more going in their favor. And I think, yeah, I think all things being equal, they should easily beat, uh, not easily, but they should comfortably beat all four of these teams on paper. Uh, and then I guess I would go with the Giants. Um you know, just because you've beat them twice, I know that it's another narrative. Be, trying, you know, having to beat a team three times in the season, uh, it happens. Yeah, I, 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 I hear <clears throat> that, and I've never seen evidence of that because, yeah, it, I agree. it's basically the question is: it's tough to beat a team three times because you might lose the middle game or the first game. Yeah, if you've beat them twice, I've never seen the stats, it, and I don't buy until I see the stats. I'm not buying. You, it. you know who once beat yeah. the Eagles three times in a season? The Giants in the year two thousand. <laughs> yeah. You guys can hear me. I watch it for a second there. Yeah, yeah, no, we got, we got you, you, Jeff. Okay, yeah, and I, look, they're just clearly better than the Giants team. And that last game was just a, a qual. A, you know, right. shouldn't be qualified just because of how Jalen was being u- utilized. And the Eagles just—I mean, they just wanted to get the one seed. They just got over that hu- that hurdle, uh, and that's all they were trying to do. Um, and then the Seahawks—you know—if they got there and upset the the Forty Niners, I mean, then then you're like, oh, okay. If you beat the 49ers, they can certainly come in Philadelphia and win, but I just don't think that's going to happen. So I almost don't even um, consider that. Of course, I'll say that in the look after a win today. So, Jeff, you did a big piece this week, and one that I thought was incredibly fascinating, about a guy who Eagles fans probably recognize. They see his face a lot, but they don't know much about him. And that guy is Dom DeSandro, who... You described as the mystery man of the Eagles, maybe kind of their fixer, their buffer. Tell us about Dom, uh, who he is and what he does. Yeah, they see his face and they see more than just his face. They see this, you know, six foot three, three hundred maybe plus pound guy. Guy that uh, you know, you, you wonder in a tracksuit. Clearly, yes. Clearly, he's um, a security guy. You know, um, some may look at him and say, "Oh, he's a bodyguard." But he's much more than that. And having been around the team for a long time and just learning about Dom and what he does behind the scenes, you realize that this guy is in many ways kind of the um, middleman or just like 
and in some ways, as I described it, he's a giant. He's a big giant beating heart of the Eagles because he because he does have to deal with the players a lot in terms of maybe some of the stuff and the nefarious activities that they've been involved in. He's got to certainly have um, connections with people, local authorities, police, politicians. Um, he's you know he's got to help them in other ways beyond just maybe whether there is something that's um, speeding ticket, parking tickets, or something criminal. Um, he's got to deal with that element. But he's situated himself or because of that, of being a guy that players can go to and talk to and express themselves. I mean, this is in some ways a human interest story because you realize that um, there's so much more going on behind the scenes with these players, and, and Dom is a big part of that because he can help them. He's a therapist. As Chip Kelly, I, who I spoke to extensively, described him. He should be described as head of psychology. Hmm. And... And, but this is very much a part of the team as well and what happens on the field. I mean, ultimately his job is to work for the Eagles and help get these guys on the field and in the right frame of mind so they can maximize their abilities. And, you know, whether that's, you know, handling stuff off the field that maybe, um, you know, keeps them from not being able to play in terms of getting in trouble or it's just like helping them with, um, you know, my wife, uh, had a miscarriage and I, I'm, I'm in a horrible state of mind and I'm, I can't deal with this and they'll come into his office and they'll hash things out and he'll be like, Hey, let me, I, you know, I know this person who can help her or, you know, Oh, I have a, my son is, you know, he's it, got it, this. I got to interrupt you. Just say it was, it was a great profile. You talked to everybody, uh, all of the, the yeah. previous coaches, including chip. And I know there was no love lost, between you and Chip, and he gave you a great interview. He really he gave you a lot. Uh, and at one point, you described Big Dom as the uh, Ray Donovan, which some people will will get that reference. It's really mm-hmm. worth reading. It's in the Inquirer. It's uh, it's online at the website. And um, as you said, it's a guy who's been around since Ant. No, Andy, right? I guess Andy hired him. Ray Rose, really, because he started Ray. as an intern. Okay, he started yeah. as an intern with Ray, and has been through all of this. And everybody sees him. Nobody knows him. Maybe they know his name is Big Dom, but uh, you really brought him to life. And very nice job, Jeff. Uh, really appreciate it. Oh, appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, we'll, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Right, there you go. Yeah, it was a great story. It was a great story, and I'll say publicly, I don't think there's a media member who covers anything in Philadelphia as well as Jeff covers the Eagles. Um. And one of the things I like about the way he covers the team is he's made enemies of almost every coach because suffers that no, comes with the job. Gets no favors, suffers no fools. But the fact that they, the fact that Chip Kelly will now talk to him at length about this shows that Chip respects Jeff and the job he does. You know, I've had fans point out to me on social media and in other settings about how Howie Roseman sometimes will poke fun at Jeff during a press conference uh, and you know tries to poke at him maybe make fun of him a little bit and there's a reason how he does that with jeff and the reason is they're a little bit afraid of jeff mcclain a little bit because jeff knows things and if he doesn't know something he's gonna do everything he can oh, to find yeah. it out yeah he he's indebted to nobody yeah he's like good old hard-boiled reporter yeah love that uh casey in orlando casey it sounds like you have a thought about who you want the eagles to play next week yeah, absolutely. And by the way, love love the new uh, grouping, Mike. I'm always a big fan, and you guys are awesome together. Thanks, Quality Casey. of show has dropped the beat. So, uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about this, and for me, with the Cowboys, I'm just sick of them in terms of just the <laughs> them being in the spotlight. And I, I understand that feeling of 
it'd be great to knock them out of the disdain. But me personally, I know I'm not alone with this, that my disdain with them is just the attention they get, the lack of results. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw that report came out this week about how the, you know, top rated games, blah, blah, blah. And I saw a bunch of Cowboys fans just bragging about that. And I think in terms of an on-field product, They've been pretty irrelevant the last quarter century. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only two teams. You guys realize there's only two teams in the NFC that have a longer drought of getting the NFC Championship game than the Cowboys. One of them is the Detroit Lions. The I know that. <laughs> right. And it's Washington. Yeah. You know, wow. And they get the attention as if they're somehow this juggernaut. So for me... I, lo- I love it when they're irrelevant. I love it when they're out of the conversation. So Except that they're not. Out, but but you, the point you brought up is the great point, which is they've won one playoff game since in the last two decades, I yeah, believe, I right? So. One or two. Yeah. And yet they, they get the ratings. They get the attention. Uh, and I think more than anything now, it's just because of Jerry Jones. It's the owner is the most colorful figure in the league, and that brings them all that. And it's the legacy of what they used to be. But you're right, Casey. It's a carcass that's basically <laughs> been wandering around for 25 years. Go ahead, They're Casey. continuing to just work off the VCR highlights, and that's just nauseating. <laughs> oh, that's and, a great way to put it. That's and, great. And can I make a quick uh, Doug Peterson point before you guys let me go? Sure. Um, yeah. So, Mike, I loved your comment earlier on about the the scene where Doug Peterson says, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, and to me, that's my favorite part of the Super Bowl was that coaching moment. Because I thought to myself, how many coaches, if they had their backup quarterback in the league, came up and said, hey, let's try this trick play. Can you imagine if Brady was hurt in one of those Super Bowls and then Brian Hoyer came up to Belichick and said, hey, let's try this trick play. Can you imagine the look of disdain? Uh, Belichick would give uh, that backup yeah. quarterback. I mean, Brian, we're 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 not going to do that. Brian. Yeah, we're not gonna, uh, it's yeah. great. It's a it's a great point. Thanks and a good call. Thank you, Casey. That was great. Um, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right about that with respect to Doug. Uh, I think that moment made him in people's eyes, even though, of course, the Eagles won the Super Bowl and he would be made anyway. I think that singular instant where he made that spur of the moment decision. Uh, really was the highlight of that entire game. Good stuff. Hey, you got an event coming up this uh, this week, I believe? I do. On Thursday, 1 o'clock at the Philadelphia Free Library. We mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a Q&A with ESPN's own and former Philadelphia Inquirer columnist, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we're going to talk a tiny bit about my book about Kobe Bryant, The Rise. We're going to talk a whole lot about his new memoir, Straight Shooter. It's all about his life growing up in New York and his career in television and all kinds of things. So uh, 1 o'clock, Thursday, January 19th, Philadelphia Free Library. If you have a free hour, uh, there will be verbal fireworks, I'm sure, because there always are. He's fun, though. When he's really is fun. He's, he, he is. He is. He's, he's actually a really good guy. I mean, he, he sometimes put on, puts on the airs and stuff. But in a room like that, either one-on-one or with a small group, he'll be great. One of the funniest moments I've ever had in this business was when I was much younger. The Sixers were playing the Indiana Pacers in a playoff game. And in the what is now called the Wells Fargo Center, they have the, the cafeteria, the eating area. So Stephen A. was there with Mike Kern from the Daily News. Mm. Okay, Seriously, like Mike Kern was there. And who comes walking up but Joe Conklin? And Conklin starts doing Stephen A. in front of Stephen A. And everybody's laughing. Nobody laughing more than Kern. So 
Conklin, being a genius, starts to do Kern in oh, front of Oh, he does Kern really well. And it, yeah. was, uh, it was incredible. Just so, so funny. That's great. Hey, next Thursday, speaking of which, uh, from 6.30 to 9 o'clock, I am hosting a release party for Mike and Merrill's Philly Special Hazy IPA. Speaking of the Philly Special, a nice 6.5 percenter. Uh, at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap by Conchock and Brewing, 3 to Crowd Street in Bridgeport. Eagles Pep Band is going to be there. Ray's going to be there. Ray Dinger's going to be there with his books. I'm going to host a Quizzo-like trivia contest for great prizes. Lots of free beer. Come on out and celebrate Thursday evening. Uh, we'll take your calls coming up, 215-592-9494. And we'll relive a great moment in Philadelphia sports history next on 94WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP this hour, sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional Presence, Community Touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Let us talk to Bill in distant Seattle. Bill, the, uh, how's it going? Your Seahawks, got a, your Seahawks got a shot? I hope so. I mean, uh, for the Eagles' sake, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> See where his true loyalties lie yeah, That's here. okay with me. But it's it's supposedly raining uh, like crazy down there and uh, and windy, so. Uh, something tells me the Seahawks know how to play in rain. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully, it's a good game. Um, so I I, I want to touch on something you guys said earlier, but real quick, the uh, I think you guys asked about this. The uh, so it, it, of course it's hard to beat a team three times, mm-hmm. but it turns out if you've already beaten them two times. Beating them the third time is actually, as far as things go in in professional sports, pretty easy. That's what I think. I need to look so, at the numbers, but yeah. that would—that's my yeah. instinct. So at home, those teams are twelve and six. Okay. And, and of course, if you've if you're playing a division foe that you split with, you're five hundred. So twelve and six is a lot better. And on the road, they're two and two. Okay. So uh, now you know the, the Tampa Bay bucked that trend. Uh, two or three years ago, whatever it was. But, um, yeah, every year, every year people say, oh, it's hard to beat a team yeah. three times. Well, it's not hard to <laughs> – the conditional probability is what matters. There. Right. But you, uh, um, you guys touched on this like the second caller, and, and I, I kind of fast I, – I listen on the, on the rewind, so mm-hmm. I, I missed the middle part of your show. But about giving – Hello? Yeah, yeah, we, we got, got you. Go we ahead. got you. Go ahead, Bill. About giving Jalen Hurts a, a contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just I'll just cut to the to the okay. conclusion. Under no circumstances can the Eagles give Jalen Hurts a max top market contract. If Patrick Mahomes wins the Super Bowl this year, mm-hmm. he'll be the first quarterback ever yeah. to yeah. win a Super Bowl on a top market contract. And his contract isn't even as bad as the, as the okay. stuff that but what people do you are do? talking about. So, so what do you do? Well, I, if the Eagles win the Super so I said this in the beginning of the year, that, and I, I think Howie Roseman is, 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 is thinking this way, actually. At, at least there's a chance he is. I said this at the beginning of the year. The better Jalen Hurts plays this year, the less likely he is to be on the team. So you think they could? You ago. think they could let him Go. walk? No, I, well, not let him walk. The, 
my the second best option, or actually, I think the option I would do is uh, is keep next year. Go for it again next year. Make no mistake, this is a go for it all in year. This we agree on that. Completely agree. I would tag and trade him after next year. Same thing that happened with Devontae Adams. Same thing that happened with. Uh, yeah, I I can't, Bill. I hear you, and and I I appreciate what you're saying, but. A great quarterback is a rare and wondrous commodity. You're kind of stuck in the damned if you do, damned if you don't. I understand his point, which is he'll eat up so much of the salary cap, mm-hmm. and, and he's right. Teams tend not to win on quarterback second contracts because of that. But you let him go, and he plays for somebody else, and what, you start all over with who? Well, I mean, that's the question. And I think one of the factors we have to at least consider is the fact that football has changed over time in a specific way, which is that you see more and more offensive concepts and schemes from college and even levels below that, high school, filtering up to the NFL, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mike Lombardi, the former executive who's on with Angelo once a week, you know, has said it over and over again. The Eagles are running Oklahoma's offense with Jalen Hurts. Well, that's not a new and different thing around the NFL anymore. You see... Andy Reid using collegiate concepts. So my point being, there's an argument to be made that it's easier for a young quarterback, if you get the right one, to come up and play well immediately. So it would be easier, theoretically, to let Jalen walk and draft somebody or sign somebody to come in and play fairly well. And if you can build a great team around him with that cap space, you don't necessarily need a Mahomes or a Brady or a Josh Allen. Good luck with that. Well... I, I, I wonder if the, it. I wonder if the Baltimore Ravens it are going to try it, Glenn. Yeah, well, that's that Lamar Jackson's interesting one. And I saw, boy, I saw something yesterday. I forget which of his teammates, one of the wide receivers, because mm-hmm. he's not going to play tomorrow. Right. And there is a belief among some of his teammates, like, he really could play. Yeah. But he's preserving himself. And one of his teammates said, I hope he finds it in his heart and his courage that he gets out there and joins us to win this. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. All right, I want to. We got just a couple minutes to go. We'll grab some calls. Tim, you're up next. But before that, it is time for this week in Philadelphia sports history. Five years ago, yesterday, my boy, the Eagles play Atlanta. The Eagles are up fifteen to ten. Yep, find that score. Fourth and goal, one oh five left. Atlanta with the ball. Here we go. Ryan rolling to the right. Ryan in trouble. Ryan flips one into the engine with a prayer incomplete. Jalen Mills covering. Unbelievable. Biggest play of the game. Julio Jones falls down. He falls down and they flank the fullback wide to the left. Look at this. Jalen Mills, who has come so far here in his second year, he falls down. Now watch Julio going to get it up. Ryan still wants it, and they can't quite get the completion. So, so close. You remember how close the, the great run that ended with the Super Bowl win. Do you remember how close at that moment it came to just ending? I will never understand the play call by the Falcons on that. Steve Sarkeesian was their offensive coordinator. They basically had Not Matt sure. Ryan roll right. Great for the Eagles. He cut off half the field. He had one option. It was Julio Jones. I thought Collinsworth was a little tough on Julio there. He said it like Julio had tripped over his own two feet or something. Yeah, yeah. He just he slipped and fell, which is a risk you have to you're gonna run if you only have one receiver you're supposed to go to. But I said this to you before the show, Glenn. 
there are certain playoff games in Eagles history that I think fans and followers of the team have kind of memory hold. That's one of them. People forget how close the Eagles came yep. to not even making the NFC Championship game, let alone demolishing the Vikings and then beating Tom Brady to win right. the Super Eagles Bowl. were underdogs at home to Atlanta. They won that game by the skin of their teeth. I mean, that ball touched Julio Jones' yes. fingertips. Uh, and then the next week they had Minnesota, whom they crushed. Now, I didn't think that was a particularly good call by Michaels and Collins. Me neither. Here's the call that I love. Ryan rolls. Ryan pumps. Ryan is throwing it up in the air. Incomplete! Incomplete! And Taylor for Jones! Incomplete! And the Eagles take over on downs with 58 seconds left. What an unbelievable job by this defense. It's hard to come to South Philadelphia and leave here with the win. You just don't come to Philadelphia and leave here with the win. Uh, my quick feeling pretty good. That was a great call. You have something to say about that, sir? Well, yeah. So uh, when we decided we were going to run this audio during this segment, um, I was cutting up the audio in Adobe Audition, and uh, I just found this very interesting because we all remember how loud it was for those few playoff games at the link. Uh, but so when I pull this audio and I edit it, um, I can see like the wave, the wavelength, like how mm-hmm. loud or yeah. quiet some things are. That brief moment that the ball was in the air and about to go through Julio Jones' fingertips. You can it basically registers in my um, in my application here as like dead air for yeah. like a very split second. That's how quiet it was. <laughs> great. for that very brief moment. Yeah, at the link. stadium was holding his breath. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know, it was and, great. and your point, Glenn, about the call there, Michael's Al Michaels on that call and the last play of Super Bowl Fifty Two, where mm. Brady throws the hail mary, he almost sounds distracted during the moment. Like. Yeah. Oh, and the ball lands, and the game's over, and the Eagles have won. You know, you contrast that with Merrill and Mike, and it's it's wow. really no comparison they, at all. They were they were great. Uh, Tim and Glenside is with us. Hi, Tim. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, I know you're up close to the end of the show here. Quickly, um, do you guys envision a rift between Sirianni and Howie Roseman if these coordinators get? head coaching jobs because correct me I'm wrong, but both defensive coordinators with Peterson and Sirianni were chosen by Roseman. And we all know the story of basically why Peterson was ushered out of town because of disagreements uh, over his coaching staff. Interesting thought. You, you know something, Tim, I had someone who's very close to the team and part of the organization suggest to me a couple of weeks ago that he was interested to see how Sirianni's relationship with Howie progressed because on the one hand you have Doug who is kind of a naturally agreeable kind of guy and then eventually got to the point where he wanted to hire his own assistants or retain his own assistants and Howie and Jeffrey Lurie said no and Doug wasn't the coach anymore this person suggested me suggested to me you know Nick isn't going to hold his tongue Nick is going to say what he believes um so I think you raise a really really interesting situation it is and obviously the 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 past two years has only boistered uh you know sirianni standing in the nfl sure right i mean he kind of came in and the belief was that he was going to be you know he was chosen because he was going to be the yes man to howie and and jeffrey and you know to have the team in the playoffs and regardless what they do this year you know to go 14 and 3 and set the record for the most wins in the regular season um i don't think it's going to be an issue with gannon but definitely, if the offensive coordinator leaves, 
I think that this could be a major issue. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing you bring up. We will see how it goes. I think there's a good chance, as Ray Dinger said, that one or both of yes. those guys get a job. And will Nick have much say? Will he want much say mm. in who his coordinators are? It is what ended up having Doug leave town. That plus the whole Wentz thing. I don't think they want to lose another successful coach. What if they brought back Frank Reich? I'm good. I'd be good with that, too. Yeah, and they have a great relationship, yep. Frank. Nick worked for Frank. Yeah, yep. problem solved. Nice work. Hey, you go. this is why I'm here. I'm, I fix problems. I'm Winston Wolf. Two. <laughs> I solve problems. Yes. Two, one. It's an hour away. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 215-592-9494. we got time for you before we get out of here. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Mike Sioski, Glenn Mack now wrapping up. Mike's got a big column in uh, the paper on the website uh, now about uh, Cowboys v. Bucks. Who the hell do we root for? It's like uh, Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees, you know? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Good stuff. Uh, It is a rare Sunday, a rare weekend with no Eagles football. You you got any plans? You working or hanging out or what are you doing? Well, later this afternoon, I am going back to my alma mater uh, to see the LaSalle Fordham game. I have a high school student who's been shadowing me for her senior year project. Uh, So I'll be at the game with her and then heading home and basically spending the next 24 to 48 hours after that home watching football, relaxing, working ahead on some things. How about you? Uh, I am speaking tonight at my father's senior living center about the thrill of being a Philadelphia sports fan. Uh-huh. So looking forward to that, having dinner with those people. And then uh, I'm I'm working. I am on the air tomorrow. Don't blink. We we have a show that we run from 10 to 12. That I, we're contractually obligated to run. And then we're carrying the football game, which 1230 is the pregame. Mm-hmm. So from noon to 1230, Jody McDonald and I will talk really fast. Wow. And cover a lot of topics. We get a whole 30 minutes on the radio tomorrow. Uh, and then my dad's coming over and we're going to watch the Bills game. Oh, that's going to be I, great. I, I love the privilege of being able to watch the Bills with my dad, who is so invested in that team and so, so wants them to win. And if it comes to a Bills Eagles Super Bowl, my dad and I are it's gonna be trouble. I, I, I just I, I I worry about it. You, know, you know, I have to say, Glenn, yeah, and look, I'm I'm a writer and a columnist and I try to stay as detached as I can when covering these teams while yeah. at the same time understanding the fan base and all that. If the Eagles were to face the Bills yeah. in the Super Bowl, there mm. would be a part of me, small part, that would be pulling for Buffalo. Yeah. Because that as we talked about last week, the city has been through so much. Oh, yeah. Those people love the Bills oh, so yeah. much. Um, it would be a bit, I would feel a bit disappointed if the Eagles were to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. I know how that sounds. No, I, I understand it. And listen, I'm from there. My roots are from there. My dad still roots for them. I do when it's not the Eagles. And so, yeah, this it would be, it would be emotionally uh, traumatic. Anyway, let us go to producer Kyle Quinn. Before I do that, though, let me just say that this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional Presence Community Touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. 
Uh, Kyle, what did we forget to talk about today? All right. Well, uh, let's start with the two winner teams in town, fellas. The Philadelphia Flyers, mm. um, maybe not a good thing, but they've won six of their last seven. I know Mike would contend that it's not uh, a good thing. Mr. Process. Not yes. advantageous. Mr. Process on ice. No, not no. advantageous. You got uh, tra- Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.